Hey everyone, Joe here. Now, if you're listening to this show, I can probably safely assume that you are an SNES aficionado, and that's great, but some of you might have owned a PC during those heady days of the early 90s, and if you did, you might even have played some games on them, and if you did that, you might enjoy my podcast, The Upper Memory Block. In every episode, we go deep into a game or game series and talk about things like the story, the gameplay, and technical specs, but more importantly, we dive deep into the development of the games, what makes them special, and whether or not they still hold up today. So if all of that sounds interesting, come check out the Upper Memory Block podcast at umbcast.com. Thanks for your time, and now I'm proud to introduce the SNES Podcast. Welcome to the Super NES Podcast. This is episode, so this is episode number 47, uh, and this is going to be a very special episode. Uh, this is uh, this is Greg, one of your like, regular, future, regular hosts like the podcast, um, and I'm very pleased today to be able to have two special two special hosts um, with me here on the podcast, who I'll be introducing here like in a moment. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, three games uh, uh, in this episode. Uh, uh, which all has a theme, uh, much in the same vein as how we did the Star Wars games at the Super NES uh, last year. Uh, we're going to be talking talking about the three Star Trek games that came out of the Super NES. Um, uh, this episode. So, um, um, so uh, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself first, and just maybe talk about um, a little bit about uh, the podcast that you do, and and real quickly how you got into Star Trek like as a kid, and also just. It, and also, uh, and also just for uh, and also just for frame of reference, um, what your favorite Star Trek show is and what your favorite Star Trek uh, game is. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll see if I can get through that quickly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, hey, I'm Aaron Hickman. Uh, I am a co-host on uh, Retro Obscura, which has been on, in hiatus for too long. Uh, Got to bring it back. Uh, and that's just a you know, I, I've been on Greg's show here uh, in, in the past, but uh, basically Retro Obscura is just a, a show where we cover 
old games, old, obscure, and uh, forgotten, and games that should be forgotten, uh, Dreamcast and earlier. Uh, I'm also on the Genesis Gems podcast, uh, also on the Retro Junkies Network, where we just do kind of a game-by-game show, similar format to the SNES podcast, but about Genesis games, of course. Uh, and then I do a live show on Twitch uh, every Wednesday uh, called the Insert Coin Show, uh, which is pretty much another video game. God, too many video game shows. <laughs> uh, but that one's just like, it, it's whatever we want to talk about. You know, it could be any topic going on out there or uh, someone from chat wants to ask something we can talk about as long as it's video game related. Anyway, uh, how I got into Star Trek, uh, as a kid, you know, uh, I remember watching Next Generation and syndication quite a bit. And that was pretty much my earliest exposure because uh, you have to remember. I, okay, so uh, I'm I'm 29, uh, so I know I'm, I might be the youngest here, but uh, Star Trek: Next Generation came out a year after I was born. I think mm-hmm. 80, 87, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and so, of course, I watched it. Um, I watched it when it was when I was a kid. It, it was starting to end. Uh, and, and then, it, of course, it was in syndication, so you watched a ton of those episodes. And so I'd watch it with my, my brothers and my dad sometimes. I don't think I got really a, a huge appreciation of it um, until, like, the movies came out. And I remember watching, like, the Next Generation movies. I remember watching and enjoying uh, First Contact. I think that was the first one that really hooked me. And then I had to go back and watch, uh, you know, watch more Star Trek Next Generation and then, of course, um, I had um, the Star Trek, like when I started collecting like NES games, uh, I had the Star Trek 25th Anniversary Edition game on NES. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that was a fun game. And I remember that was what really started to connect me to the original show. And because I didn't. I, I watched a little bit of the show in syndication, but to be honest, I always identified more with Next Generation. But Greg, I'm still following that train of thought you had there. Um, <laughs> I still am. Uh, I remember you asking me uh, here what my favorite Star Trek show is. And what's funny is it's actually Deep Space Nine, which I didn't go back and watch until I finished the entirety of uh, Next Generation hmm. a couple years ago. On Netflix, because uh, mm. I'd never watched uh, Next Generation end to end. I'd always watch things in syndication and out of order. Which it, with that show, it's okay for the most part because it's not like a serialized show. Mm-hmm. But when you get to Deep Space Nine, you notice that things really do kind of carry over uh, in most of the seasons, especially when you get to um, what you call it, the, the Dominion arc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when things really have this uh, connectivity, I guess, um, or this uh, continuity is what I mean. Uh, but yeah, so DS9 ended up, for some reason, that ended up being my, my favorite show. Uh, I think just because it, part of it was it's a darker Star Trek. Um, it's not like Boy Scouts out in space. Uh, not disparaging earlier Star Treks, but um, it kind of feels like once... Gene Roddenberry, uh, of course, you know, sadly he passed away. But once uh, the other creators were able to do what they wanted to do, 
and didn't have that oversight, uh, they were able to kind of put forth their own vision. And it turned out, I, I guess I like that vision a little more. I, I like that everything on DS9 was a little rough and tumble and rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. And you had these characters who definitely weren't perfect and didn't always get along with each other. Uh, in, in, you know, you just had a kind of a motley crew of characters and having like a Ferengi on board uh, <laughs> was great. Cause you know, before that Ferengis were, they were pretty much the butt of every joke. And by the end of DS nine, you know, they were still comic relief, but they definitely had a different dimension, I guess. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had more chances to be real. Yeah. Absolutely. Be real and be three-dimensional, not just, uh, you know, two-dimensional characters that were just there for a laugh and, you know, some stupid enemy of the week, which is what I I guess they kind of started out as. Well, they were supposed to be the big, scary enemy in TNG, and that never really panned out because they were silly. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember them taking over the ship, and uh, they were just ridiculous. And I think... uh, the actor who played Quark in DS9, uh, he was actually one of the original Ferengi. Yeah, but he had a different the name. Second episode or third episode of, of season one of TNG, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, oh, I guess we'll, we'll bring him back. But um, your final question, uh, I will I will try and answer, Greg, uh, which, <laughs> which was, what is my favorite Star Trek game? Oh, man. Um uh, you know, that's really hard. I, I think I'm going to cheat and say my favorite Star Trek game is Starflight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cheat just because, uh, you know, the the craft kind of looks like the Enterprise anyways. Uh, the Genesis version of the game has a very Star Trek feel to it anyway, so I can definitely see that. Yeah, well, it's, it's just – well, Starflight just has kind of a, a Star Trek-y mm. feel to it. Uh, you know, you, you go you go visit unknown planets and survey them, and, and you can mine them. And then um, you really don't have to fight a lot of battles in that game if you, if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. you meet all sorts of aliens, and you, and you kind of uh, figure out um, what happened to this ancient civilization and – and there was like this huge book that came with the game with like a novella. Um, so it wasn't officially Star Trek, but you know that they were definitely influenced by, uh, you know, Wagon Train and the Stars or whatever the original <laughs> yeah. idea for Star Trek was. Uh, at least that's how I feel. So, yeah, I guess yeah. I guess uh, I'm cheating there. But that's okay. Official, <laughs> official Star Trek. I uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to say. Um, I know. It's a tough question. Mm-hmm. It is a tough question because I just I feel like um, there's a lot of good Star Trek games, but I don't know about great. Mm. Not a lot of you really guys stand out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yep. That's perfectly fine, Aaron. Uh, thanks. Uh, like Joe, your turn. All right. So hey, I'm I've been talking a little bit, but but now you get to know who who, who this weird voice is. My <laughs> name's uh, I'm Joe Mastriani. I do a uh, do a couple of shows, but I guess the, the, the main reason I'm on here is because of my original podcast called the the Upper Memory Block Podcast. Uh, and in that show, I basically talk about games from what I like to call the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. So I cover PC games kind of exclusively 
from about, uh, I guess, yeah, kind of the, the early to mid 80s up until just about the year 2000. And the reason I do that is because that's when I played a lot of games. So <laughs> that's where all my memories and stuff come from. So every, well, I when it first came out, it was every two weeks. Now it's sort of like eh, once a month kind of a thing. But uh, <laughs> Isn't that how it works? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I do a lot of research and stuff, and I try and get really in-depth, so I don't just talk about, like, gameplay and whatever. I try and find, you know, get into the development of the games and how I'm, I'm a programmer by day, so that the, the process of software development and game development really interests me. So I like finding out, you know, like, oh, how'd they come up with these ideas? How'd the game design come out? How does the, the final game differ from the original design? What problem did they run into? And all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I really get into that, uh, you know, about a game or a game series, kind of focusing on, you know, the earlier portions of, of series. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, aside from that, I do one other show, which is kind of uh, the opposite team of, uh, of what we're talking about today called the Star Wars Stacks, which is uh, a Star Wars book club podcast where, again, a show comes out every two weeks, but once a month. So every other episode, we talk about uh, a Star Wars novel, originally a Star Wars expanded universe novel. But since that's gone away with the uh, Disney acquisition, now we talk about yeah. yeah. We still talk about them, we do, but uh, we also talk about all the new stuff that's coming out because uh, there's quite a bit of it. Have and, you heard uh, of the um, the Star Wars Nerds Unite podcast? I have not. Oh uh, yeah, a buddy of mine does that podcast, and uh, he I think they cover comic books uh, post Disney, and oh, so cool. that's their main focus. Yeah, they, yeah. They, there's there's so much of that. Yeah. It's it's insane. I tried keeping up with it for a while and I just couldn't. Yeah, they co- you know they cover the, the the movies and expanded universe, but every I think everything post Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're kind of like both sides. So we'll kind of I guess you know like um, two episodes ago we covered where we were in the middle of that the old or not the old the the, the Han Solo trilogy by AC Crispin. So not the really really old one, but the one yeah. that came out more in the nineties, and uh, and now. This this week we're going to record a show about uh, there's a a new kind of Han Solo short story that came out. We're covering that, and then the next one we're covering is a book called Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which is kind of the next big uh, Star Wars novelist coming out that apparently has had input from uh, oh what's his name the director of Episode Eight. Apparently had some input on stuff that's going on in there. We're finding out where the First Order, how the First Order started, and. So it's uh yeah it's 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 interesting times for uh for Star Wars. But back to Star Trek, which is what we're talking about this week um on this show. Um Star Trek was kind of a thing that's always been around for me. My my dad and one of my uncles were were into it pretty heavily, so you know as long as I can remember there was Star Trek around. And so I sort of grew up not necessarily even really remembering you know a lot about the original series but always remembering that it was a thing and then when TNG started yeah i'm 35 so i remember you know sitting and watching encounter at farpoint and saying oh this is really cool and getting excited about it and watching you know every saturday night at 7 we'd all gather around and watch TNG on whatever channel it was on and uh yeah so it was just and that's that start kind of started a was it uh, cbs a, i can't remember I, I, yeah, it must have. Well, yeah, it must have. Uh, was it actually? I, no, because TNG was weird because it was a uh, it was syndication, right? So it was whoever bought it, right? Yeah. So yeah, whoever I can. And I'm, it, yeah, 
Yeah, and I'm Canadian, so it was on some weird Canadian channels. <laughs> <laughs> I have no memory of what channel. I just remember it was on Saturdays at 7, which these days seems like a really crappy time to have a TV show on. That but... was actually the time that I remember watching TNG on uh, uh, also. That seems to be a popular time slot. Yeah, I think that was – I can't remember how the, how the whole syndication thing worked. Uh, DS9 could... also later on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so – yeah, and then Voyager, I think, for a little bit, but then they got put into, like, 11.30 p.m. on UPN or something. Yeah, yeah terrible. and then oh, for <laughs> us, I think uh, it would it would show up on NBC, uh, and I would watch it on there. Sometimes it would be on on Sunday night after the news, and uh, I remember getting into that show. But then again, you know, I was uh, prepubescent, and Seven of Nine was, was pretty hot to me at that yes. time. Yeah, Jerry Ryan's a great actress, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, so that's how I, I came into Star Trek, and um, my favorite Trek series, I, I will have to to, to uh, mirror Aaron, he had the right answer, it's DS9. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's just because, to me, it's... It's real. Yeah, it, it's it's a real, it's a it's real a show fake. about... <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's in it, too, so I... <laughs> Uh, I'm actually I'm I'm three episodes away from that episode. I'm I'm currently rewatching it. I'm in the middle of season six, and oh, I'm getting nice. I'm getting to in the pale moonlight, which is yes. And it's One funny. So yeah, and when I'm actually during this, because I guess I had I watched it when it originally came out, and then you know you'd see it on TV here and there. But it it DS9 is really a show that is very binge appropriate. Like you you need to binge watch it. Mm-hmm. Like yes. especially once you get out of like. I'd say even into the, the second half of the second season kind of a thing, you can start, it really picks up. Like, I think it has the strongest first season of, you know, may, maybe the first season of Voyager is better. I don't, I don't like Voyager all that much, but it has a decent first season as well. But DS9 to me is the most solid, most consistent Trek series. And I think it's because they have, just because it's on this space station, right? It's this place where a lot of people live. There's a lot of kind of semi-recurring characters. A lot of them are developed. They're, you know, people aren't perfect. Cause that, yeah, that was always a problem with me is that, you know, you always wonder like, wow, everyone in the 24th century or the 23rd century for TOS is so great. You know, they all sit there and quote Shakespeare and listen to classical music and no one watches TV and, you know, everyone's reading books and everyone's Playing educated. Trombone. Yeah, exactly. It's just like everyone's like these renaissance people. It's like, well, where are the criminals? Where are the dumb people? You know, like, you know what? It, and it's interesting that like that really didn't happen in uh, TNG until uh, like Ro Lauren came along. Didn't it feel yeah. like that? Yeah. So she, she was um, – and that really does have to do with DS9 also because mm-hmm. she was uh, – not a Cardassian. What's the other? She was Bajoran. Bajoran. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was a Bajoran resistance fighter. And, uh, you know, she ended up becoming part of the Next Generation crew for a little while. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think that they like sort of tried to do it with Yar a little bit. Like saying, oh, she came from this bad planet. But they didn't really like, I don't know. And then they killed her off and no one cared anymore. <laughs> so like yeah it's just i don't know like i said it's just a show about real people and it's like you know i could picture myself being there and and you know cisco's a great captain and he's very passionate about things and he's kind of like this interesting meld between kirk and picard he's kind of like a cowboy but he can be a diplomat when he needs to be and yeah i don't know it's just it's it's a great show and uh my favorite star trek game i think given my my podcast that I do, I, I would probably say 
I want to say 25th anniversary, but I think real realistically it's judgment rights mm, just cause yeah. it's a, it's, it's a better version of 25th anniversary. Really? I mean, it's, it's enhanced. It's interesting. And the CD-ROM version has voices and, you know, Greg and I were talking in the pre-show about, you know, the, the voice packs and all yeah. that stuff and how yeah. to get it working. And it came on like a million discs and, and, uh, it's just I, I think it's there's a lot of ways to do a Star Trek game. And I think one of them is to hey to try and, you know, simulate episodes, because frankly, that's that's how we consume the show. So why not try and consume a game that way? And I think they did it pretty successfully. Yes. Yes. And yes, definitely. Yeah. Both those games are great. And both those games are now available also on GOG and Steam. So you can go ahead mm-hmm. and play them now. So but because so for a while they were talking limbo, but now those games are fully like fully out there again. So which is the. Like that's great, but um, yeah, because they were interplay, and there's there's a, there's tons of interplay stuff on GOG. So I yes. wonder if it was like a, a CBS Paramount licensing problem and not an interplay licensing. Could problem. have been, yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, for me, just real quick, um, you know, I'm the oldest here, like I'm 40, so um, so my parents were big Star Trek fans because they grew up on it uh, because they were they. They were teenagers and young adults when the original show aired, um, so they got me into it as a kid. I remember watching. Uh, I remember watching like a lot of the, a lot of the original show, ser- original series and syndication, especially after school, um, uh, like the weekdays, uh, and where I got into that. And I was, I was 11 when TNG started, so I was hooked on that. Hooked on that like from day one, and I watched all the shows after that point. Um, and just really, I attribute Star Trek a lot to help me to, 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 to Star Trek a lot to help me to, 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 to also help me to give me a lifelong, you know, lifelong love and passion to space and like uh, uh, to, to like NASA and space exploration and like you know astronomy and that kind of stuff, which I'm so very much into today. So, um, and uh, and partly because of nostalgia, um, I still think t- you know. Uh, my favorite show is still TNG. I just really love uh, the episodes, the uh, the characters, the, the characters, the actors. Um, there are things that DS9 did better. I certainly will agree on that. I just think overall, to, 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 to overall, to overall as a whole package, um, uh, uh, TNG is still my favorite to go back to, like watch just like random episodes, like you guys were saying. Mm-hmm. Just uh, DS9 is great, but you really have to be able to because of the because of the deeper story arcs. Um, there's not as many standalone episodes with DS9 that like there are with like uh, uh, a TNG, like the original series, like for that matter. So um, it's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to be, so it's a lot easier to be able to throw an episode of TNG in the background while we're doing other stuff um, and not really pay and not really pay that much attention to it. Um, but uh, Star Trek games, you guys have mentioned some very good ones. Um, I'm also a big fan. Um, Joe and I were talking about Bridge Commander uh, earlier. Earlier, uh, it's from the late Activision PC game, 2002. Uh, kind of a great plot, kind of like a space battle um, uh, game, also. But uh, a dark horse, a dark horse for me, again, again, partly because of nostalgia, partly because of all the time I spent playing it with friends online over the years, uh, was one game called Birth of the Federation, uh, which came out in 1999 by Microprose, and that, uh, Joe, you'll get this. This is the equivalent of. Uh, of Star Wars Rebellion, uh, except that, except that, um, uh, in, uh, in Birth of Federation, you're basically playing strategy games, like that in Star Trek Universe. Right, it's uh, like kind of four, four XE a little bit. A little bit, yes. There are space battles, which the, the, space battles, space battles, which you can do in like turn by turn basis. And the game itself is only the game itself is only good, 
But for me, I love it so much because of all the multiplayer play I do with it. Because that was a game I played with my friends for years and years and years after that point. Um, and there's still a very active modern community for it today, which still coming out with like great mods and support for the game. So, um, you know, and I love strategy games. So, like, so like that game was a match made in heaven for me, like when it came out. But um, so uh, I want it's like. So yeah, like I said earlier, I wanted to definitely, um, I definitely, definitely wanted to focus to focus on the Star Trek games because coming up, uh, coming up pretty soon, it's 50th anniversary of Star Trek, uh, which is going to be like pretty important. Uh, Star Trek for a while seemed like it wasn't really doing very much. The franchise, the, the franchise, the franchise definitely seemed to be in hiatus like for several years. Um, but it definitely pleased me with the fact that two recent event, um, recent developments and events have kind of brought the franchise back more into the public limelight. Um, I had mixed feelings like about the reboot movies, um, but they definitely have helped to bring in a new audience and they definitely are successful enough because the fact there's a third movie coming up to, 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 uh, to come out later on this year. And there's also a new show in the works, which sounds very promising. So um, it definitely seems to be on topic and relevant right now to become Star Trek games. Um but also, uh, since Aaron has been on the podcast before in the past, he's also talked about uh, his previous history and experience with Super NES like as a whole. Um, Jill, I know you talked about uh, I know you talked about this a little bit on your own podcast, but um, but for the benefit of the podcast, like this podcast listeners, do you mind talking about real quick about your Super NES history and experiences? Sure. Um, I was I've been a Nintendo guy for for a long time. I mean, I had I remember. Back in you know the late '80s, Christmas morning, getting an NES, I got the the uh, you know the pack that had the power pad and the zapper and, and all that. And then from from then on, I've basically always had some kind of NES or some kind of Nintendo stuff in my life, one way or the other. And uh, got a Super NES, I guess the year, maybe not the year it came out, or probably the year the Christmas it came out. My parents were pretty good about that for some reason, and. Uh, you know, a lot of time spent in uh, in a lot of Nintendo first party kind of stuff. You know, the Mario's and the Zelda's and all that. I mean, I can't can't even fathom how much time I spent playing Mario Kart on on the Super NES. Um, Mario's missing. Yeah, Mario's, Mario's missing. And, and yeah, <laughs> all all of that and uh, Mario Paint. A lot of time in Mario Paint because yes. I, I I had a lot of fun with that sitting on the floor playing with a mouse which was kind of awkward if you think about it realistically and um you know yeah just just uh, a lot of stuff like that i was big into you know like we all did go to the video store rent rent a bunch of games so you know i've it's it's probably i don't want to say no i think i can probably say that the super nintendo was was my favorite system my, you know, to the point where you know I have a PS4 over here on the other side of the room. I probably have fonder memories of of my Super Nintendo than I do of of any other console that I ever had. Hmm. Yeah. So that's where I stand. Hmm. Yeah, definitely uh, sounds great. Uh, yeah, you know, I kind of, yeah, you know, I kind of, like, I kind of consider that to be like, kind of fortunate because the fact that I've always been. Uh, I grew up well enough that I well enough that I always had like you know current current consoles as well as a current computer. So I, like I've always gamed very heavily equally they equally like about consoles and computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, same with me, definitely. But um, but even to this day, as a matter of fact, I, I mean like you know I'd be spending like as a kid I, I'd hop between my 
as a kid, for example, you would hop between my C64, like my NES, or like, you know, nowadays, I um, mean, nowadays I'm sort of doing the same thing. So it's like, you know, the, because there's certain kind of games that do better on console, and there's certain kind of games that do better on the computer. Um, and transition, um, Star Trek games have always been done better on the computer, I think, overall, but there have been some very good Star Trek games that came over the consoles. Um, we may uh, or may not be talking about them today. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, for the record, the three Star Trek games that we're going to be looking at for this episode, uh, which are the only three which came up to Super NES, uh, that are called uh, Star Trek, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Crossroads of Time, Star Trek to the Next Generation, uh, Futures Past, and Star Trek, uh, uh, Star Trek, Star Trek, that, Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek Academy Bridge Simulator, uh, Try saying that one to, you know, five times fast. But. It's the, long, the longest game title in the world. Star Trek, Starfleet <laughs> Academy, Starship, Bridge, Simulator. If you get to say version two, I don't know. EX um, plus Alpha. <laughs> Turbo. Uh, so Star Trek games, Star Trek games, like I said, originally started like on the computer uh, way back in 1971. Uh, was when the first, the first track game came out. Uh, you guys have probably seen this version, have not played it. It's the it's the classic one. We have like the the ASCII map about the Enterprise going around quadrant to quadrant, like like blow up Klingons. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, I know it as Begin. Yeah. I played that game a ton, like my C64 as a kid. I loved it, but uh, that game's that game's still around today. There's still like you know like modern, like modern, like enhanced version of the game that you can play like in web browser and whatnot. So yeah, um, I remember back in the day, I got a, a one of those, you know, one of those like uh, shareware CD-ROM things mm-hmm. that had a million different things on it, and it had like WinTrek, which was basically right. the yeah. Windows version yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron, you've probably seen it. It's called different things over the years. Uh, the version I'm thinking about, it was an ASCII-based one where, like, you commanded the Enterprise. Like, you had, like, X number of days to destroy Y number of Klingon ships. Um, and you moved um, – and you entered commands of the keyboard to move your ship around from quadrant to quadrant. And um, and you warp into a quadrant of Klingons. Then you have to, like, fire phasers and fire photons at them and destroy them. And it was because uh, you're saying the original was on a mainframe, right? Yes, 1971. Okay, and then it was like yep. ported to different things like the Commodore yep. 64. Yep, yep, yep. And, and uh, you you typed in a lot of text, basically. You, you just and, had, yes, 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 you typed in. You, yes, you did like typing like a lot of text. Curiously enough, this game got ported to the Atari 2600 also, a Star Trek, um, which I was which I was which I was thought was like weird. But um, <laughs> um, there were a few console Star Trek games before these came out. Not, uh, they're not very, very many. Um, there was a game called Phaser Strike, uh, like Microvision, which was in the 70s, which was the original handheld, um, a handheld gaming system uh, that had the Star Trek license for a couple of years. Um, there was the excellent start. There, there was the excellent Sega, uh, like Sega arcade game, uh, a vector arcade game uh, from 1982 that got ported to a bunch of the pre-crash systems, uh, to, to, to 2600, the ColecoVision, uh, like whatnot. Um, there was a planned. Uh, there was a Vectrex game uh, based upon the original movie. Um, Vectrex was also a weird hybrid uh, console slash handout system with built-in monitor vector graphics. Um, there was a planned Star Trek V NES game, but that never, uh... There's actually a prototype of it. Yes, yep, the prototype's playable. The game, the game seems finished. I I don't know why it wasn't released. Probably because the movie's terrible. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, yeah, because, uh, and also, like, in those days, also in those days, uh, the licenses, the licenses of Star Trek was, like, was divided up, um... 
for some it's reason, so weird. There's yeah. so many license holders. And... For some reason, for some reason, Paramount Paramount would award the rights to one franchise, one franchise, like one franchise, they want like one franchise, franchise only, like to one company. Um, during the late '80s or '90s, Interplay had the they had the license to the original series, and Spectrum Polybite had they had the license to they had the license uh, to Next Generation. Later became Microprose because uh, because. Because Spectrum Polybyte bought Microprose, and they just and they just like and 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 they just allowed Microprose to, to produce other uh, TNG games. For some really odd reason, there were four DS9 games made. All four DS9 games were published by different companies. So don't ask me what the <laughs> so don't ask me so don't ask me what the hell happened there because they can't tell. And you. honestly, the only one I remember off the top of my head is Harbinger. Yes, Harbinger. Yes, Harbinger is very good. Um, but uh, yeah, and there were uh, and they were all produced by different companies. Um, that situation did not get cleared up until about the late '90s, uh, when when finally you know when finally um they finally to when finally Paramount awarded awarded everything to Activision, and Activision was free to be able to do anything they wanted to in the Star Trek, you know, the Star Trek universe because they actually had the license to everything Star Trek related. Um, and, and then after several years, there was a dispute. Uh, Activision lost the license. Bethesda had it for several years. Uh, and right now, currently, the new Star Trek games are being made by a branch. Uh, they're being made by a company owned by, uh, 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 by a company owned by Paramount, uh, which is called uh, Paramount Paramount Digital Entertainment. Uh, they're the ones who made the new Star Trek games based off the new movies. So um, the uh, the big the big console games um, were sort of, were released for celebration of Star Trek 25th anniversary in 1991, and they released uh, PC, NES, and Game Boy uh, versions of the game. But for some reason, and we're, we're going to talk about this in length later on, believe me. Um, even though they have the same name, these three games are totally different games. Oh yes, there's there's nothing <laughs> in common with those games except they were all developed by Interplay. I yes, guess. they were all developed by Interplay. Some of the same people worked on all three games, as a matter of fact. Um, but they all, but for some reason, probably because they felt that the, well, obviously the PC game was pretty sophisticated. There was no way that game was going to be able to handle it on consoles yeah, at the time. Yeah, point, so. point and click, they'd really have to dumb it down. And right. so they, they made it more, a little more action oriented when you got to the, right. or maybe a little more action slash yeah. RPG oriented on the NES. And yes. then I guess it was more of a shooter exploration game on Game Boy. Yes. Uh, I think all three games are very good. Um, because Interplay was not producing uh, console games at this time, they licensed the console rights to Konami. So the uh, like the NES and Game Boy games were published on the Ultra label, which was a label of Konami at the time. So, um, but uh, and that opened up the floodgates. That after those games came out and they did very well, uh, a lot more console games got published for Star Trek, and and we're going to be talking about them starting like right now. Um, uh, before we get into the games themselves, uh, I had all three of these games as a kid because I was a big Star Trek fan back then, like I am now. So I bought all three of them like they came out and beat them. Um, Aaron, you said you had the like Aaron, you said you had the Genesis the Genesis version of the Star Trek Next Generation game uh, as a kid. Did you ever beat it? Did you did you ever get to play any far in it? You know, I didn't, and I think part of the problem too is that um, it would have helped if I had a greater appreciation of the show mm. at the time. Because I really, it, it just seemed too complicated to me as a kid. Because when we owned it, um, you know, I absolutely loved, uh, at the time, I loved the SNES and the Sega Genesis, and I had the game for the Genesis. I just remember 
I had an easier time playing like Fantasy Star <laughs> and playing <laughs> Shining in the Darkness and and playing action games and uh, this just seemed a little too sophisticated uh, to to have to go into like because like to even to start a mission you had to go into one menu pick a choice have a briefing. And then you had to like swivel around in your your I guess you're kind of swiveling around in a chair. It's <laughs> um, what it feels like, yeah. and it's like, oh okay, well now I'm gonna chair. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because it's like, are you the captain? Because I turn around and there's the captain over there. Uh, you know. <laughs> so it's like you're kind of like this omniscient present on the bridge right. Right. Uh, presence, and and so. As a kid, I just kind of – it was a little bit lost on me. Mm. Uh, and so I'd watch my brother play it, and he had fun. Right. So I was like, oh, well, he's getting some sort of entertainment out of it, so let me give it a go. And so, like, I you know, I eventually figured it out, and I think, like, I, I, I beat, like, the first mission. But then I'd always die um, <laughs> when I'd get into the space battles right. uh, because I didn't know quite how to – I think you had to balance uh, yeah. your – what was it? Your forward and aft shields? I yes, forget. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Was. Yeah. Or there's like repair priorities and yeah. all yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, let's talk about like Next Generation then. Like it's our first game then. Um, uh, this game got released in March, like March 1994, like in the U.S. Uh, later that year. Later that year, like, it got ported to Europe and also to Japan, like, the following year. Um, it was developed and published by Spectrum Hall Byte, which, like I said, had the license to... You had the license to Next Generation by the time. Um, there was a very similar version, as Aaron was just talking about, that came out... That came out uh, that came out uh, the following year, 95, for the Genesis, but they renamed the game Echoes from the Past, and for some reason, they don't ask me why the hell they did this. There are some, there are some gameplay, there are some game, there are some gameplay, gameplay differences between the two versions. Yeah, um, picture, like, they changed some of the, uh, the portraits of the characters. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they took out African Americans. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's very strange because most games back then, uh, there uh, there are many ports between the Super NES and Genesis, and they, uh, for the most part, they were the same, except for like you know, um, except for obviously the needed graphical and audio differences. Well, and I think one of the well, also one of the red shirts in the game. I think this is both uh, uh, the same across both. One of the red shirts that you can pick is Ed Semrad. Do you guys know who that is? Mm, no. Nope. He was the editor of EGM in the early days. Oh, interesting. Oh. And so he's kind of an Easter egg in the game. So he's one of the people you can pick. I think the rest of the people are just like the, the development team. The, yeah, something. they look like it to me. Yeah. yeah. So um, there was also there was also uh, there was also a PC game uh, based on their generation, which is called show which is called Final Unity, which came out in May 95, uh, one of the very first CD-ROM-based uh, games. Which Actually, was a wonderful game. Yeah, yes. Yes, great game. There are some elements taken from this game that that show up like in that game, uh, which we'll talk about here in a moment, which I found to be like, very interesting. Um, but, um, Joe, you said that you didn't have an experience with any of these three games before you played them for the podcast, right? No, I, I, I did not. All of my... Star Trek game experience, which which I looking through the list of Star Trek games is very minimal now. Surprising because I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but you know, aside from 25th anniversary Judgment Rights and 
you know, I think we were talking about Legacy and a few other games. Like, I haven't played any of these. I haven't played any of the Bridge Commander stuff, none of the Starfleet Command stuff, all, any of that. So, yeah, my my Trek gaming is, is sadly lacking. So I'm, I'm glad to have gotten at least some time with uh, these three. But you did play the... Yeah, yeah. Would you, would you, uh, okay, but you did mention that you... Um, but I think you just mentioned a moment ago that you did play the Final Unity, like you two on yes. PC, right? Yes, okay, I did play right. Final Unity. That's okay. another one that sticks out for me. Now, so, oh, sorry, Aaron, go ahead. Say, um, Final Unity. I was just looking at it. It definitely looks like it's kind of like it's Spectrum Holobyte. So yes. it's like yeah. they just gotten off of making the other next generation game, but it also kind of looks like it's it's a follow up to the 25th anniversary in the gameplay style. Because it's kind of got that point and click feel to it's it. It's very much. Yeah. It's an adventure game, very yes. much so. Right, and right. it's long. I remember it being very long. Yes, yeah, uh, yes, uh, yes. And the short actually open both games, but they're totally different races in both <laughs> games. Don't ask me why, but um, there are a couple of like similarities. But it's very confusing. So like you know the name changes and like whatnot. It's it's it's, it's very complicated. I, I don't know why you you turn out this way that it did, but uh, meh. Um, Next Generation Futures Path is also an adventure game, primarily. Um, there is some, uh, there is some, there is some, there is some starship ba- uh, uh, battling going on that, that Aaron mentioned earlier. The game divided, the game divided primarily into three, it's like three phases. You have, uh, you have the bridge phase, you have the, um, uh, the way team phase, then you have the starship battle phase. The boring phase, the confusing <laughs> phase, and the frustrating phase. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The just, just talk about the phases, the, uh, the phases of the game like, real quick. The bridge phase, you're basically on a bridge. You can look around. Uh, you pick crew members that they do bridge acts with, um, whatever. Uh, the away team, the away team game, the away team phase is where most of the gameplay happens. Uh, like every now and then, you have to pick an away team to go over to a planet or a ship or whatnot, and you, um, and it's funny to go around. Oftentimes, a very confusing, complicated maze. Uh, yes. To figure out to figure out how to advance your uh, to, to, uh, how to how to how to advance your goals and figure out what you need to do to be able to to, to, to be able to beat it and move on and then um and then finally every now and then like you're attacked um suddenly like going to a starship battle phase which is kind of tactical based it's very similar to how combat works in Final Unity actually I thought uh the, the uh, I think I think I did I think I think all I did for that game was was just gonna take the, the combat engine from this game and, and just, just gonna enhance it enhance it some. Um, because you have, you have to like, you know, bound your shields, bound your weapons, uh, try to keep things like repaired. Um, pretty, um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty tough battles in this game too, I think also, uh, you, you, um, play, even though, but even though you're commanding a pretty powerful ship, they're still, they're still up to, uh, um, the, the, the combat, the combats in this game, like are very challenging, I thought. Um, so the overall, the overall plot of the game, as you find out pretty soon in the game, is that there is a uh, an ancient race that sent a very powerful device, like the future, uh, ten thousand years in the future, because it was too uh, because it was so complicated and powerful that that there was wars and everything being fought over it, and they wanted to go in the future to get rid of it and hopefully, um, you know, hope that people in the future like would be like um, quote unquote better to be able to handle. To handle the device. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Klingons, um, Romulans. No, it's the Romulans in this game. Uh, the Enterprise 
to uh, the Enterprise gets engaged in a race against the Romulans, like an unknown race, like called the Chodak, uh, to try to beat the to try to, 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 to figure out to figure out to figure out the device's mysteries, um, and to be able to gain knowledge and to, to knowledge quantumly control of it, which is called the IFD. Um, the premise. The premise oh, I thought maybe it was called the Mass Effect. The premise, the premise of this is actually carried forward like in the Final Unity. Um, Final Unity's game uh, story and plot is very similar to this, as a matter of fact, actually. Um, just with some like changes and differences. Uh, the Chordak shows up in Final Unity also, but, to- um, but for some reason, for some reason, they're a totally different race. Um, in, in future, um, in, in, in future's past, uh, there's this like green lizard, lizard-like race, which kind of reminds me of the Goron actually, like in appearance. Um, whereas in whereas in whereas in, whereas in, whereas in Final Unity, they're like this strange slug-like race uh, with like these big, wide, expressiveless eyes and whatnot. So, um, can we just talk about the Gorn real quick? Because I sure. think that's my one of my favorite races ever. Because yes. of that that infamous scene of Captain Kirk <laughs> having a fist fisticuffs with a Gorn. <laughs> And, uh, you know, like, uh, their appearance kind of evolved, and they definitely became a little more believable, but it was literally just a guy in a rubber suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we have this monster suit. Let's just put him in it, and that'll be the bad guy. And you just got to imagine, like, how hot that poor dude was. <laughs> yeah, at, uh, in the desert there at whatever it's called. I can never remember the name of that rock in California. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the Gorn do make an appearance, like, one of the later games – I'm talking about so, but um, so um, yeah, Future Past is primarily an adventure game that um, well, I talked about the game like enough here, like for right now to set it up. Um, Aaron, why don't you talk about this game first? Like just like started off uh, here with your impressions of it back then versus your impressions of it like right now. Um, okay, I think I can appreciate the game more now that I kind of. I know all of the characters from the show. Of course, I've seen every episode. I saw Brent Spider and uh, Denise Crosby at a Comic-Con a few months ago. Um, So, like, I I have a familiarity much better than I did as a kid. uh, And I have a much deeper appreciation. So I can actually get into a game like this much better now as an adult. The problem is the mechanics are fighting against me. Mm. Horribly so. Um, and time is fighting against me where it's like I have children now. I kind of have a little less time to, to play more in-depth games like this. And this one feels a little too slow-paced, um, though there are definitely worse Star Trek games. What I did appreciate was um, kind of like I just mentioned Mass Effect. But, you know, in Mass Effect where you could go into the codex mm-hmm. and learn about every single race and every single character. I like that you can do that in this game. You can go straight up to the computer um and uh pull it up and you can you can find out um little yeah, bits of information yeah. like and it's so funny how they they just pulled stuff straight from the show you can tell because <laughs> it's like you go to Riker and it's like Riker's interests trombone jazz <laughs> like that's it and uh and then you know ladies, you, you, <laughs> ladies. yeah i was like yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I was very touched to have that in the game because that was something that a lot of PC games had, but but, that's, um, but the console games didn't often have that because of memory, um, memory constraints, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, car sizes being smaller, like a whatnot. So it was very impressive to have that. Like, it was, yeah, very impressive to have like very impressive like to have the library like actually included, like included like in the game as simple as it was. Yeah, and I also I also liked um, on the view screen how you know you could travel to 
a, a planet, you know, you go into warp and I like, you know, you, you would see the full size view of the the planet mm-hmm. you're approaching. I, I like that. And then you could zoom up, zoom up on it basically. Uh, and then you get a landing party and you pick them and everything. Um, I did think that some of the portraits, especially, I don't know about the Genesis version, but the SNES version, it kind of felt like, um, they were a little grainy. The graphics, the graphics, the graphics, the graphics are definitely a mixed bag in this game. They are a mixed bag. Uh, like some things look better than others. Like their walking animations yeah. are so stiff when you get a landing party together and you yeah. go into 2D mode. Um, and then when you're on the bridge, they look, they, they look like, uh, cardboard cutouts, basically. I actually thought the bridge graphics were great. Like, you know, I thought they, they, they were are actually, for the yeah, most, they yeah. are for the most part. Um, uh, I would just say like, because they don't really move. Yeah. Um, that, that's my only qualm. Like, I like that it's kind of that fake 3D effect of mm-hmm. kind of spinning around a room. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think that's cool. Uh, but I, one thing I think that a lot of Star Trek games struggle with is, okay, are we making a game for the hardcore Star Trek fans that want to know everything there is to know about Star Trek and be able to control every instrument and every panel, or are we making a game for people who want to play a game and have fun? Uh, and so I, I think this game, you know, has, um, a decent balance in that regard, but there are some Star Trek games I've played where, uh, it's really, Mm. more on the simulation side and some people really get into that yeah and mm-hmm. that's cool but like i'm sitting here um you know like oh i can i can go to the shields and i can put all my you know i can put all my shields to this or to that um or, or put all my energy yeah so you can put all your energy into different things and i guess without reading the instruction manual uh it's a bit confusing the manual is a must read for this game yeah because... this one's definitely a manual reader yeah <laughs> Uh, but the manual also was great, by the way, because the manual really gave like in-depth bios, like you know, like all the characters and like you know, additional pictures, like taken from the show and whatnot. Very, uh, I, you know, back in the day when manuals, you know, back in the day when manuals actually mattered. Uh, this is a very like you know, like few well-designed, put-together one. But, yeah, and 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 I guess Spectrum Hollow by being more of a um, PC computer developer, uh, yeah. uh, they had that that sort of background, so I, I'm sure they were used to. Um, having more sophisticated sophisticated games, I, I guess you would say, right. and and uh, deep, lengthy manuals. Though I think this game is still easier to get into than if you ever tried to play the NES version of Next Generation. Oh, God, that's terrible. Yeah, Ooh, that my. one's... <laughs> uh, do you even have away missions in that game? I don't know. I don't think you do. I think you spend the whole time on the bridge fiddling with knobs and switches. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, um, Joe, I know that you, um, you know, I'm curious to hear your impressions about this since it was your first time playing it. You implied on Facebook, you had some very strong feelings about this. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I gotta say it off the bat. Like, this is not a fun game. Ouch. I, 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 I don't <laughs> think at least. And, 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 you know, if you listen to my show, I'm, I'm usually pretty lenient. You know, like I, I usually like things and I'm not saying this is com- it's not a all complete bad. mess. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a complete mess. I would say the, the complete mess is the away the the away mission stuff, which is unfortunately where you spend most of your time. Uh, yep. 
you know, like the space combat stuff, it's it's not bad. Like, like you said, Greg, it's kind of, you know, it, it seems similar to uh, to the mechanics from Final Unity. So, you know, that wasn't all that bad. And I think, you know, Star Trek as a game, you know, as a series to have games about, I think Star Trek games generally are inherent. Sorry about cats, if you can hear them. <laughs> no. Star Trek, Star Trek okay. games are, are inherently more complicated than other types of games just because Star Trek... Yeah, I mean, Star Wars or anything else. I mean, just because Star Trek is inherently a more grounded in, you know, even if it's grounded in pseudoscience, it's more kind of realistic and, and whatever. So, you know, flipping through different stations and assigning different priorities to things and allocating power is like, if that's all part of star trek you know reversing polarity and, and whatever you want to call it yes that that always saves the day so you know from that perspective i think yes star trek games are a bit complicated and sometimes you know you do have to read the manual and you do have to sit down and kind of understand what's going on and i'm not that's not part of why i think a lot of this game is frustrating i think the part of this game that I find frustrating, like I said, is, is a lot of the, the on-the-ground stuff. And that, to me, is because it really does not feel like Star Trek. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Greg, you mentioned it a little bit. Like, you beam down to whatever it is, an installation or a planet or another ship. And, you know, on the show, they'll, like, you know, walk through some corridors and they'll find some people and they'll talk to them. Whereas here, there's, like, weird robots and they're shooting at you and you have to shoot them back. And then there's a maze and you have to open a door and then you have to open another door. And, you know, it's just that part I find it's not, so – it's not fun. Like, yeah, ugh. it's not much of an assessment of the situation. It's just, like, shoot first, ask questions later. And then you have, like, there's – there's you have limited phaser power, which I've never heard of on the show at all. <laughs> and if you run out of phaser power, then you're basically – you've screwed yourself. And, and, and you know, there's this whole aspect of, of choosing your away team, which you would think, okay, well, I'm going to sit there. Well, what kind of mission is this? You know, okay, well, I'm going to rescue someone and they might be injured, so I'm going to bring a medical person. And, you know, I should probably bring, like, Worf because, you know, we might have to shoot someone and maybe there's going to be some diplomacy, so I'll bring this person. But it never matters who you bring really hmm. yeah, it matters a little bit but you're right they they really had a golden opportunity to be able to capitalize on that and like, they didn't because like you know there are like you know characters your know, characters do have like tactical tactical skill and like you know like um and science skill and like you know uh you and like need you need at least one command person uh uh like in the mission to be able to get your crew members to follow you around and you need at least one person with a medical kit to be able to do any kind of healing and mm -hmm. whatnot. But there was a chance to capitalize on it, but they really didn't do it very well because most of the missions, there are some missions where you're advised just to bring down one person and that's it. Just like, you know, like, you know, like have data only for this mission or have Picard only like this mission because, uh, because of the way structured, because if you try to do it multiple, to, 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 to multiple people, you, you, you just complicate things. Right. Um, and if somebody dies, they're dead permanently. They're gone. So, um so it's so i think that's the thing i think just the fact that it's so like punishingly difficult mm. that yeah you know, there's just, not really a difficulty curve in this game it's just like a difficulty spike <laughs> well i actually remember so my my one of my very vivid memories from playing it this time you know however far through i got was even in the very first mission where you're down on a planet, you have to rescue a scientist. I think it's something to that effect. She's like yes, a Vulcan yep. scientist. Yep. yep. And so you have you basically beam down to this planet, and you go through, and there's these Romulans. I think they're Romulans, and 
you go through and you shoot them, and then you find the scientist, and she pops onto the screen, but she's just a little sprite, and she's Vulcan, and they're Romulan. So the second you see her, you shoot her. Because that's what you've been doing up until that point. Every every moving thing on the screen has been trying to kill you. So you see this thing that's moving on the screen, and you shoot it, and you fail the mission, and you have to start over. So... Uh. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I I really I, I really loved this game as a kid. Uh, nowadays, I'm like, ah, this game's not. This, yeah, this game this game has not aged particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she was perfectly fine when it came out um, because, like, you know, there it, it was no different. There were a lot of games similar to it back then in the '90s, where like you know there were adventure games where you're expected to make maps and you're expected to bounce things out. You're expected to be able to put. 20, 30, however many hours it took to be able to figure things out. But nowadays, but nowadays, like you guys said, um, not having any game map is frustrating. Like it's all just frustrating. Like it's all hell. And because... no, and no journaling system. So it's Ooh, like, oh, yeah. here, go to these coordinates. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you didn't write them down, well, you're gonna have to repeat the same thing over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is, a... and I and I almost take a little bit of exception to calling this an adventure game. I would say at the at at, at the outside, it's an action adventure because yeah, to me, an adventure game is something where you can you know plod through, take your time, think about things. You know, well, there are some puzzles. puzzles. Yeah, but you're solving those puzzles while dodging phaser fire in most missions. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so um, uh, good things about the game. Uh, there is a password. Uh, like there is a password feature that you can use to be able to like record your progress. That's nice. In the Genesis uh, version, you can actually save. They actually have a battery, in the, a battery in the Genesis version, huh? Yeah, you go to the computer nice. screen, and I think it's like mission log, and then you can save the game. That's one of I, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't imagine playing this game through in one sitting. No, you yeah. can't because it, it took me like quite a while. I remember, I remember the kid. It took like maybe a, uh, maybe a couple months to be able to get through the game. Um, because I had to make maps of like all the bases because that's what you expect to do of games that you know the time period. Mm-hmm. So, um, sound effects are very great. Uh, 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 the sound effects I thought were great. They all sound like, uh, you know, they all sound, you know, they all sound exactly, exactly, exactly lifted like in the show. So that's a, uh, that's the, uh, kind of wish they had voice acting though. I mean, yeah. SNES, you definitely could have had some, some voice samples. Yeah. Something here Engage. or there. The, yeah, the, just like yeah, you know, not like obviously not fully voiced, but yeah, you could definitely pull pulled some like, things yeah. from the show. Speaking Earl Grey, hot, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking about Super NES, the music in this game is not that good. I thought no, uh, it's not, or at uh, least it's not fitting at no, all. No, no. Uh, well, we're talking about fitting. Wait till we get to DS Nine. <laughs> <laughs> they even tried to recreate the uh, the TNG theme on the uh, I mean, on the mini screen. It sounds off. It sounds off kilter. Uh, they, they didn't Casio do a, worthy. She's, she's not a very good rendition of it. I mean, like you know, the music, the music itself doesn't fit. It's okay, but again, it's not reusing. It's, it's not reutilizing the Super NES sound chip, the sound chip very well. I thought. No, I mean, if uh, you listen to like, um, as far as like that orchestral score, um, you, you, you if you play like Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, mm-hmm. that was really well done. Yeah, great music. And the instrumentation was yes. just really well done. Yeah. But this one, yeah, it was just kind of flat. Um, but aside here, guys, I think I mentioned this. I had no idea until a few days ago because I'd never seen Star Trek motion picture, the first Star Trek movie. I had no idea that the music from Star Trek Next Generation 
is actually from that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's basically a slight rearrangement of it, but yeah, it's a, it's the same. It's that's where they got it from. <laughs> and thank God because that alter I think I linked you the alternate yes. one. Yes, you did. Yeah. And it is silly. <laughs> it is. It's zany. Uh small game trivia note here. Uh maybe Aaron knows this. They also ripped off they al- uh they also ripped off the TNG theme for the very opening of the classic arcade game uh Vanguard. If you start that game up, there's a few notes like this music on uh, like, uh, <laughs> uh you plays there so i did i did play that game uh i did play that game recently it was uh over at uh galloping ghost arcade yeah it's a great arcade game but they just like blatantly ripped off the <laughs> uh they also ripped off the they also ripped off the attack the hawkman theme from flash gordon uh like dive yeah yeah yes is, is that what yes, you're... That, yep yep that piece um so yeah but uh anyway um the um the Starship battles are the, 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 the Starship battles in this game are very difficult, and you get into too, way too many of them. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, what go is back this to an RPG, jeez. Yeah, like, random encounters. Random encounters. Yeah, <laughs> just like way, especially you know, especially later on in the game. I mean, like you know, literally to get anywhere, and you run into like three or four Romulan, Romulan or Trodak battles, and your ship your ship takes a long time to pair. Um, you know, unless you go back to Starbase, but then when you go back again, you get into like more battles. So it's, it's sort of like a rinse and repeat there. So uh, very, very frustrating. Um, and that's another thing I find with, you know, with this game, like I said it about on the ground and even in space, like, you know, it, there are they'll, the, the show will go through many episodes where they don't they, they don't get into a fight. They don't fire a weapon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And here it's like every other second, it's like your phasers are on fire. Burning, and that's, you know? that's part of the problem of, of putting a Star Trek game on a home console is that the intended market uh, is usually filtered through, okay, well, most of our market seems like it's going to be adolescent males. Right. And they want so shoot we're going to have to have some sort of guns and things shooting off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's where I, I kind of think they had to go with this, which is why they kind of got away from the adventure aspect. Yeah. Because you go back to games like 25th Anniversary, Judgment Rights, and uh, Final Unity, and there's very long stretches of those games where you don't shoot your weapons. You know? Yeah, because that's what Star Trek is like. Yes, exactly. So, but um, yeah, definitely. Uh, the controls of the game I thought were okay. I mean, like no problems there. Uh, you know, it does the job fine. It's not great. It's not terrible either. They're just they're just there. So, but um, uh, yeah, like I said before, graphics are mixed bag. I thought the bridge screen. Looked very good. Uh, the conference room, the conference room picture, that uh, which I don't, which Aaron, I don't believe the Genesis version has the conference room picture. Um, uh, you know, I remember, yeah, the conference room. I just remember, yeah, it being grainy. Right. <laughs> so they, um, they, they look kind, of, they look kind of weird in that, in that room. I don't, I don't. You want to talk about conference. weird? The planet, uh, the planet missions, the portraits, <laughs> the portraits, the portraits are okay, but the models, you actually model the character walking through the mazes. That looks terrible. That looks like DOS yes. level, DOS level uh, quality graphics. Like, bleh. But just, just like you know, awful, awful. So yeah, it's just like the the sprites are small, and I find even on the planet, the other problem is I find the UI is very like clunky. difficult to use, yes. very clunky, yep. like changing yeah. characters, using different items. Well, uh, it almost feels like you had two different teams working on this game. <laughs> almost yeah but this is definitely a product of its time because like you know this game this game feels very similar to a bunch of other games that can't uh, uh, kind of games that came out like around the same time period uh on both computer and consoles i thought so it's very kind of uh murdered murdered time i think for better or for worse 
But mm-hmm. uh, um, overall, like overall, my overall impression of the game, if um, if you are a Star Trek fan, this game is worth checking out. I think like you enjoy games, like the, I, I, the, the, the enjoy games this time. I'm not gonna. I don't hate it. I, I I certainly have some nostalgia and some affection for it that affection for it that way. Um, like I said earlier, I, I don't earlier I don't I, I don't think it's aged very well. It, it, it's very slow. It's very slow, very clunky. Um, if you want to play the game now, do yourself a favor: play an emulation with save states and play it with maps and walkthrough open uh, near uh, nearby. You'll save yourself a, a lot of aggravation and grief. <laughs> Or watch it, watch someone play it. Yeah, or watch uh, a let's play. play. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, I mean, for some reason, like my favorite Star Trek Next Generation anything is the pinball game. Like, absolutely. Yeah, great game. I love that pinball game. I, I can play that any iteration of it. I can play the real thing. I can play, you know, the pinball arcade version. Uh, I I just absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, well, what makes this all strange is like you know how Final Unity for the PC came out that came out the uh, came out the following year, and that and that game and that, and that game borrowed a lot of the a lot of the gameplay elements and aspect and story and characters and whatnot from this game, but they did everything right in that one. It's huh. almost like they learned from their mistakes and realized, Shocking. okay, well, we're a little less limited because we've got CD-ROM technology mm-hmm. here, yeah. more powerful graphics, you know, better art. Uh, better assets, 600 megs basically. instead of two. So yes, yeah, and time constraints. Uh, you know, PC is a different world, of course. Right. Uh, so because this game actually like... came out after the show ended. Uh, uh, when did when did TNG end? Was it was it ninety four? Uh... Yeah, like mid ninety four, and this came out kind of March September. March ninety four. Yeah, just about. Yeah, 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 just about at the end. So mm-hmm. so. So, uh, Joe, you didn't have any fun with this game like at all, then I take it, huh? I mean, it's not that it wasn't fun at all. I I, I like playing, you know, given what I do on the, in my show, I like playing games for historical purposes and, you know, seeing where they were in, in the context of their time and all that. So, you know, from, from that perspective, I'm, I'm happy that I played it. Hmm. Uh, will I go and, you know, try and finish it? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> I mean, but, like, I... Uh, I, I like watching paint dry. <laughs> you know, I get to pick the color, and no, I'm just kidding. Well, Joe does a thing on his show, like for the to the very end, where he says that the game holds up today, like or not. Yeah. And this game, unfortunately, does not hold up very well today. No, it definitely uh, doesn't hold up very well. The one thing that I found interesting is, you know, when you when you Google for it, when you look it up on Wikipedia and stuff, it's really it's just called, you know, like it just comes up as Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes. And it looks to me like if this game had been successful, they would have released additional episodes. Mm. I, I I feel like just so just from like, like one the box art episode, isn't it? Pretty yeah. much, yes, yeah, yeah. Just like a so very very long like, episode, standalone. So yeah, so this is like Star Trek: The Next Generation, Future's Past, and if this sold like hotcakes, they would have come out with Star Trek: The Next Generation, something else, and you like, know, back they would to the reuse... future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um. Uh, there is a there is a code in this game. There is a way to be able to level select. Um, uh, to, to do that, in the menu screen, uh, push Y Y X X A A B B. Uh, start the game, play a new game, pause the game, like hit Y. Like you'll be able to pick two uh, stage to go to. Um, this game is pretty cheap to get on eBay in cart only version, but if you want to complete, you're going to pay like a bit more for it. Um, the um, I found. 
42 copies currently they're currently listed 31 copies like so recently uh these prices include shipping cart ranging from five to five to 18 bucks uh complete in box like anywhere from 20 to 40 bucks so like so if you uh like so if you're like a um a star trek fan or like a um a super NES collector you can get the um uh the carts the carts cheap to get i i don't think i you certainly don't see any harm picking um, picking it up and looking at the manual like online and whatnot. You want to like try it out. So, uh, relatively cheap games are like a cheap game to get as far as the Super NES games go. So, definitely, definitely read that manual though, one way yes. or another. Yes, the yes. manuals. RTFM. Right. So, and like I said, uh, have a map and it, like, have a walkthrough handy because you're gonna need it. <laughs> um, it's, it it's it's not it's not a failure. No, 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 no it's not. So, <laughs> no, it's uh, just poor design. <laughs> so any final thoughts of this game guys before we move on um may it rest in peace no yeah, I, I would say if i was reviewing the genesis if i was reviewing this game on genesis gems um we would we would say you know our final verdict would be somewhere like um is it good or is it garbage or you know is it a gem or is it garbage basically right um and so we usually have like three it's like okay well it's a gem it's okay or it's garbage and so with this one i would just say it's just okay i wouldn't say it's complete garbage no because there are many worse games you could play for the system or on super nintendo (laughs) for that matter Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i would just say it's it's kind of middle of the road it's mediocre but it's not absolutely terrible like pulling my hair out um it's not the thing is it's not broken um but there are many things that could be fixed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then and if we were on my show, if, like we said, I would probably just say, you know, it's interesting for its time and it fits in its time to a certain extent, but it just doesn't hold up today. And if you yeah, hadn't it's... played it before, you're probably not going to have a ton of fun with it. Right. Uh, Unless you're some sort of completionist or something like that. Right. I must play every Star Trek game in history. <laughs> uh, well, the next game which came out uh, was the. Uh, uh, was a game based off the next, uh, you know, the next show, uh, Deep Space Nine. Um, this game is called Crossroads of Time, and thank God in this case the Genesis version has the same name, so they didn't <laughs> let. You, uh, uh, um, but but again, there are gameplay differences between the two versions, which we're talking about here in a moment, just to confuse the hell out of us. Um, Crossroads of Time was released in September, like September of 1995 in the, in the U.S. It came out in. Um, it came out in Europe later on that year. Uh, this game was developed by a small company called Nova Trade. I could not find very much about them. They've not done very much. Oh, well, they did Echo the Dolphin. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. They did Echo the Dolphin. Um, that was their biggest known. I did uh, not know release. that. Huh. Echo the Dolphin and uh, Tides of Time. And, uh, yeah, they. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, they did uh, a port of Karateka. Karateka. Yeah, any ports except the original one are terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they they did that, but um, they they did some they they did uh, they, they've got kind of a hit or miss track record. But yeah. the Echo the Dolphin games are probably their best known. They did the unreleased Airball on NES, which is actually a, a pretty good port mm, okay. of the Amiga classic. Um, they they went on to do uh, they did Contra for PlayStation, which isn't in Saturn, Ooh, which isn't yeah, that great. Yeah. Mm. Um, they well, the last game they ever did was Jaws Unleashed, which was after Ooh, they changed their uh, name to Appaloosa. Yeah, uh, which I have heard is not very good. No, it's not. 
Uh, no, yeah, I, I could not find very much about them. Uh, look at the, look, to look them right online. So I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you beefing up my knowledge on that, Aaron. That's interesting. But because yeah, the, uh, yeah, the Echo games are definitely great. Those are those games are a lot of fun. Um, so uh, this and so this game was published by Playmates, uh, which also had the license at the time to be able to produce a bunch of Star Trek toys. Which uh, I don't know why, because I honestly I don't know that much about Playmates Interactive, but it kind of gave me not a lot of faith that the game was going to be good. Like I said, it's weird. There are four. <laughs> uh, there are not many. Uh, yeah, there were not many Deep Space Nine games that came out. There were only like four real, true Deep Space uh, Nine games that came out. There was this one. There was Harbinger, which we mentioned earlier, which is an adventure game by the PC. Very good, I, I think. Um, there was also a forgettable shooter, which is called The Fallen, which was released for uh, 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 a PC and Mac. And, and there's also a game uh, like called Dominion Wars, which is kind of a loose, a loose strategy a loose strategy uh, slash tactical combat game. And, and all four games had different publishers. So I don't know what the you know what the deal was uh, there, but the nice thing about buying the Playmates game was that there was a coupon included in, in, in the box for, for both the Super NES and Genesis version that you could send away with just pay shipping and handling, and you'll receive a special limited edition uh, Commander Cisco uh, uh, toy, which is only available that uh, exclusively like through that offer. Right, because Playmates did all the action figures yes. for yep. Star Trek, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's why they had the license to be able to produce the, oh, okay. the, the, well, to the DS9 game. So well, they they also had a hand in um, uh, Earthworm Jim. Yes, that's true. Yep, yep, they published that. Right, game, so that's yeah. true. Okay, so yeah, maybe you know, I, undeserved undeserved shutter. <laughs> but no, uh, Noah Trade was definitely they were they were like a Hungarian company, and uh, they were just kind of like they would do games for all sorts of people. Right. Basically, yeah. uh, you know, for other for publishers, and so that's how they ended up doing a Contra, and they did Impossible Mission Two, and they did like um, the two Contra games somehow because Konami got lazy, I guess. Yeah, uh, making <laughs> too much money. <laughs> but you know, I, I would say the last good game they put out was um, they they did the last Echo the Dolphin game yeah. um, on the Dreamcast, which I've heard was yeah, I don't play this one. To play that one, but I heard it like very good. So yeah, but, and uh, they and they did uh, sorry, Three Dirty Dwarves, which is a very underrated Sega Saturn game that I used to hmm. own. Um, okay. So not not all bad, I would say. Right. So um, I actually I actually I actually did send away for that uh, action figure um, uh, because I bought this game shortly after it came out, and I still have it in storage. Um, I've not seen it for a couple of years. It's somewhere in the t- somewhere in the bins in the basement, but <laughs> um, I do have it, and maybe it's worth something. It's worth something these days. I haven't looked it up recently. Huh? That'd be kind of interesting. But the reason it's a commander uh, commander figure is because it's like, because that this game was released pretty shortly, uh, the early in lifespan uh, of the S9, and he, and Cisco had Cisco um, had not been promoted. To, so from captain. captain yet. Yeah, so. this is before Cisco became completely awesome. Yes. But. Yes, before he uh, <laughs> got his facial hair. Right. Yep. And the game takes place very early in the show. We are the game takes place take, the game takes place like very like very early in the show also because uh, unlike TNG, there's actually there's actually star date in this game, so we know when the game actually takes place in. Uh, this is set during the first season. Um, like DS9. Right, because it's four four six. Right. Which I- yeah. So, but uh, uh, this game, this game is primarily 
I would primarily primarily call the game a platformer. Maybe you guys yeah. might disagree with me on that, but no, it's a it's a no, platformer right. with little bits of. Um, there's one stage RPG of side scrolling. Run up and talk to people. Right. There's one stage of side scroll. One stage of side scrolling. Uh, uh, side scrolling action uh, sh- action shooting, kind of like a Gradius game. Um, right, where you're going through the wormhole. Right, but most of the game is platform game. Um, the overall plot for this one is that you know there's a group of Bajoran terrorists who are trying to uh, cause damage and blow up, can blow up the station, and that kind of leads to a, um, a deeper plot with like you know like Cardassian like intrigue and like you know trying to figure out um, like you know like what's going on here and like one of the orbs gets involved and there's time travel and it's it, it's kind of a messy plot if you ask me, but um one of the one of the things that one of the things i did like about the cng game as as flawed as it was that game did uh that game did uh that game did so i did have a pretty good plot this one's more muddy i thought it was more complicated it wasn't quite as engaging as the cng plot was but um you but you um you primarily play cisco you do get to control some of the other characters uh briefly at, at various points in the game but they all play the same so there's not really any kind of differences between them, unfortunately. But uh, you're primarily controlling Cisco, uh, going around the station uh, to start with, uh, talking to people, figuring out, uh, figuring out what you have to do to be able to go on the next action scene, and um, and the game can, can the game kind of flip flop flip flops back and forth between like downtime on the station where like you, uh, uh, we have the freedom to walk around, and talk to people, and whatnot, and also like action platforming scenes on planes or ships, plane ships like a whatnot. Um, so, Aaron, did you have any history of this game, like the Super NES or, uh, or Genesis uh, version? I have absolutely no history with either version until I would say I got into emulation. Okay. Um, which is about 10 to 15 years ago um, when I started em- emulating these systems heavily on the PC. Okay. Um, and then just going through every game and seeing okay. Star Trek games. And it was before I'd even, um, you know, seen the show. And so... If you have not seen DS9, um, starting the game out is not going to do anything for you at all. No. <laughs> it's not going to do you any favors because you have no you're kind idea of wandering, where you are. Yeah, you're wandering around a space the manual, station. The manual for this one does not have the helpful bio background information, information the Team G1 did. So. No, it's like if you don't know these characters, you're not going to care or understand why when you walk up to Morn. He doesn't talk. <laughs> You're just not going to understand. It's be like, this game's broken. Why isn't he talking to me? <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, so since you started off, uh, so, so since you started this off uh, uh, last time, Aaron, uh, why don't we have Joe talk about this game first here? Uh, because I know that, Joe, this is also your first time playing this game, uh, playing this game like the podcast. And since, and since it's your favorite show, I'm very curious to hear what you think about this game. So this game, and maybe it's because I really like DS9, and maybe that's not the reason, but this game actually honestly made me a little bit angry. Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the reason, Well, the reason it made me angry is, like, when, when you start off playing this game, like, it looks good. It looks great. Like, yeah, the graphics are really good. The animation good. is great. It's fluid. And it's Cisco a very good can... recreation, like, of the DS9 theme on the menu screen. Uh, yeah, and, like, yep, you know, yep, Cisco le- leaps it very well. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, it's just, like, it, it runs it, really fast. He does. I mean, it just it looks like a good game. And even when you first start off, like, you start off the game in, in Cisco's office, like, just off of Ops at the top of the station. 
And, uh, you know, you start walking around and, you know, Dax is there once you get outside and you talk to her and O'Brien's there and he's complaining that the station's broken yeah. and, and all that. And I'm kind of like, oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, you kind of get this this sense of like, oh, this might be a really interesting, engaging game with an interesting, engaging story and, and twists and puzzles and, and this and that until you get to the part where you have to jump and it's prince of persia and you fall <laughs> and you die over and over again and even if you get pretty far through chunks of a level you have to you die and you start over and have to redo things over and over again and there's so like frustrating weird, yeah and there's it, like weird nothing says star trek <laughs> nothing says star trek like prince of persia exactly <laughs> and that's that's the thing like i almost feel like if they had taken that kind of rpg adventure little part of the game and made that the game Though even aspects of that are immensely frustrating. Yes. Because sometimes like you, you'll, you'll get through one of the horrible, long platformer parts, and then you basically have to go through the entire station and talk to everyone, sometimes yes. more than once, until you, tr- you find the person who's going to tell you the thing that's going to trigger the next event. Yes, because it's like you can't go through and start the mission, oh, the door's locked, in- until you talk to Odo. Go to Odo's office, talk to him twice. Oh, and then okay. You have to talk to Bashir, and then for some reason you have to talk to Jake. Yes. <laughs> and talk to Jake, you, can... you know, his son, and then run back to Odo's office and talk to him again. And it's like, oh, okay, now I can start the mission. So it's like it's kind of these weird, like convoluted trees, you know, conversation trees that you have to just figure out by trial and error. Until you can actually get to the actual game part, which is even more frustrating. So, you know, that's why. Ah, there's just well, like. <laughs> and Joe, maybe you could answer this, but do you think part of this is more of uh, a, a problem from the publisher end, and and maybe them telling the developers that, oh well, you have to do it. Uh, you know, you have to include this, include that. And maybe to the point where it's like they couldn't make a good game anymore. It's certainly possible because, I mean, they got a lot of like all the DS9 stuff was really good. So it does feel to me like Mm. the people that worked on this game knew the show and even potentially liked the show. Yeah. And so I don't know either that or whoever. Yeah, I mean, the dialogue sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Dialogue's great. Characters are great. Sound effects are great. Um, just like, you know, the places, the, the places, the places, places, the places all seem like, you know, lovingly, like, career, uh, uh, to, to, like, to create it to look like they are on the show. Um, yeah, that's all positive. But then the actual gameplay is just horrible. So, yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe they said, oh, you know, or you, you can make a DS9 game, but it has to be a platformer. Yep. Maybe it's like, uh, you know, let's say you set out to make a pizza and you got all the ingredients together. But instead of you know putting it on a, a pizza pie and, and baking it, you, you decide to to put it in a pot and, and try and boil it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like let's make let's make soup out of this and let's make pizza that's soup. it. We have we have pizza soup, and yeah, and and maybe that's it. I don't know. Like to me, it's just like Star Trek and platformer don't go together. No, <laughs> I mean they they potentially could maybe in the original show. Yeah, like you have Kirk, Kirk leaping Kirk got and, into. Yeah. But you know, you think of Cisco, especially the first season, he didn't really get into uh, a lot of. Uh, okay, mate. Okay, so he punched Q in the face. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, he did punch but Q in the face. for the most part, <laughs> he he didn't get into a lot of phaser battles. Mm. 
straight up. I mean, and it's no like the first the first season or two of DS9 was very political, very political, like yeah, it's you know basically um, the Middle East and space. Yeah, that may be the reason why I don't really like the first two seasons of DS9 all that much. Just a side note, I really didn't get to like, the show like, until the uh, like of season three, like when the Dominion was introduced. But because because the first two seasons just kind of seemed very uh, and. Uh, the first two seasons just kind of seem like very slow paced. A lot of the, of, yeah, and, a lot of the Bajoran but, stuff can get a little long, which maybe an overwrought a little bit. Yeah. Which may directly relate to the game because they made this game pretty early on in DS9's lifetime. They didn't have a lot to a lot to do a lot to draw on yet. Can you imagine how much better this game like would be if it came out like season six or season six? Or season six? Uh, uh, I mean, no, oh season yeah, six, just like just do like some Dominion battles, right? Uh, yeah. I have, to, I have, all to, the I cool have to talk CGI. to Wayun 18 times. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or you have to kill 18 Wayuns. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the TNG game, at least at least the benefit of coming out of coming out toward the end of that show's life. So it had, like, they had the whole show to draw upon. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they did a good job on that, regardless of the point. They still had the, um, here they only had, like, what, like three seasons? If that, two seasons? Maybe just to be able to base it on. So why not just make the whole game like uh, what was that? Uh, move along home. Oh god, <laughs> that, that stupid episode where they're trapped in a game. So it could be a game about a game about a game. So meta. Well, there are some very interesting missions missions that take place later on like, in this game, which I will say is one of the game's high points. Um, I don't know how far you guys got in this game, but uh, one of the missions toward the middle of the game. Um, it's it, it's kind of complicated as to why Cisco has to do this. It kind of makes makes no sense. Like you know, like by even Star terms, it doesn't really make too much sense. But um, maybe he, to obtain some what was it? Uh, self sealing stem bolts. Self sealing stem bolts. <laughs> they have to uh, yamak sauce. Yes. <laughs> There is a there is a mention there is a mention of yamak sauce in this game, which, which, which <laughs> I thought was great. So, uh, yeah, the small touches the, the small touches the small touches are there. It just though it's like, um, it's just the overall game presentation didn't really come to, uh, come together with like all that very well, I thought. But anyway, one of the missions later on, uh, Cisco's trying to beam aboard a Cardassian ship uh, to be able to obtain some doohickeys or whatever over there. But the shields are up, so they can't um, – so O'Brien mentions, well, you know, uh, back in the Enterprise, I had the technology to be able to, to, be able to modulate transporters a certain way to be able to beam through their shields. But I can't do this here because of this – hybrid Federation Cardassian junk I'm working with. Like this dirty Cardi technology. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, they, uh, and, and you talk to one of the people, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the Bajoran, uh, um, uh, what do they call it? Vedix, uh, tells you that they, uh, the answer, uh, to seek the answer in the past. Um, and, 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 um, and you recently, um, can you recently had picked up the orbit time, so the solution is so the solution is to use the over time to go back to uh, to go back to a past event in Cisco Cisco's life where he'd be able to get the um, uh, the, the shield frequency data and, and security and security security code that he needs to be able to solve that puzzle. The problem is that he the problem is that he the problem is that the warp the warp the warp the warp sends it back to the uh, to his old ship Saratoga right during the battle. 
of Wolf 359. So, uh, so that stage, you're going through a wrecked Saratoga, uh, trying to avoid or defeat Borg, Borg soldiers, trying to be able to find these, uh, find, find, find some information that you need. And that's very cool. The whole, you know, the whole time jumping thing and the whole, like, having to go through a wrecked, uh, you know, the wrecked, uh, I'm no, to wreck Saratoga and being able to get to the frequencies early on to be able to to modulate your phasers so you can shoot the board more than once and 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 the, and the graphics of that scene because like you know the whole ships the whole ships falling apart there's they're falling apart there's explosions and fires and fires all over the place and you know wounded dead crew members and whatnot uh you have to access ship to, uh uh ship terminals to be able to pull up maps and whatnot it, it, it's all great and I'm like why couldn't the whole game be like this because like you know there's a really some that mission is great. It's also it's also tough as nails. That uh, that's where I got stuck as a kid for the longest time. I, I didn't actually finally beat the game until Emulation Save States a couple of years ago. But it's like it's like yeah, you got this one great mission mired in the middle of all these like yucky missions basically. So um, yeah, just the, the I, I, just again the execution's there, the ideas are there, but it, it doesn't. But it but for whatever reason it, it just just doesn't just doesn't come together as a complete game package unfortunately. I think you said it there, Greg. Uh, it's it's not the complete package, unfortunately. And uh, uh, I, I would have to say I would play Echo the Dolphin any day over this game. <laughs> and for some people, Echo Echo the Dolphin is very uh, love it or hate it. But um, yeah, you know, for for me, it, it had the it was the right balance of uh, exploration and puzzle solving. And for this game, um, it it just it didn't work quite the way I would have wanted it to. It's mm. like, if you're going to make the whole thing Prince of Persia, at least make the controls a little less stiff. Yes. Because mm-hmm. uh, that, that was part of the problem. Uh, it, it, they were just a little stiff, and then um, it it just didn't flow together I want, the way I wanted it to. A lot of the same, like a lot of the same things that we say about TNG definitely carry over this game as well, also because like you know the music doesn't fit very well with the game, uh, the sound effects are spot on, uh, graphics are good for the most part, but there are some like you know some very awkward uh, car choices like whatnot that are used. Um, I would say the music is okay. So if you take the music away from the game for what it is, it's actually pretty decent. It's just it's like just not Star Trek. No, it's, it's not, not Star that's... Trek. It's just like this is like. Circus techno. I, <laughs> I and if like I remember song, right, when you're on, on the bridge, ahead. I'm just like, or you know, when sorry, when you when you're on the space station, it's just like, uh, okay, uh, I'm kind of missing the context of this song here. <laughs> yeah, and if I'm remembering right, there's some decent parallax scrolling stuff yeah. and whatever. So I mean, graphically, I think it's a cool looking game. Yeah, but you know, that's it's not enough. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, there are some again. There was some, again. There was some gameplay. Uh, uh, there was some gameplay uh, to, to gameplay differences between the, between the Super NES and version. I don't don't know like why they did this. Um, it just like uh, from what I can tell online, it just, it just, just pretty much things like you know like certain events happen inside different sequences. Certain characters show up in different rooms. Like you know, air, I mean, this character can be found here as opposed to here. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I don't know, don't know why they did this. Uh, the two games themselves are close enough that they're very, they're very pretty much the same game. Um, overall, yeah, I like this game least in TNG. Like to be honest, to, 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 to be honest with you guys. 
Um, I found it to be very, very slow, very frustrating. The platforming is very difficult. Um, there's and, and I, like the fact takes place so early in the show when I already didn't have any vested, like vested interest in, in watching it doesn't uh, doesn't help. The, it doesn't help the one thing. Um, doesn't help with it either, but um, there are some again, again, again. Like if you're a track fan, this game, this game can be worth checking out. But again, but again, have a map handy, have a walkthrough handy. So uh, definitely easier to play in emulation with save states because again, because because again, you have the password system uh, to deal with. Um, actually, the password system, the password system works a little works a little better like this game. Uh, you get passwords like more frequently, and they're simpler combinations to remember. So. Um, I, I will say that good thing about it, but um, you know what? I, you know what I was missing? Where are the holodeck missions? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Hollow suites, right? Holodeck, <laughs> hollow suite. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that would be great. That that would have been fantastic. A lot like, of this potential. Let me take a hollow suite to a better game. So, like so, Joe, you already talked about this game like quite a bit, but Joe, but do you have any like final thoughts the, about this game? Do you do you hate or hate this game worse than TNG or like, what do you think uh, about it? I think, like I said, I think this game, uh, it, it, it upset me because it, mis- it misled me into thinking that it was going to be a better game. I don't know. I think the TNG <laughs> game the is probably level. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit, the TNG game is a little more playable. I think like, not that this one's not playable. It's just frustrating. So yeah, I probably like TNG a little bit better than this one, even though I like the, the content more. Yeah. I like DS nine better, but, and it's like you want to I, I think I'm with Joe, you wanna like this game more. Well mm-hmm. like for us because it's DS nine, so it's like this is our show. So it's like, oh well look, it's all the assets, it's all our favorite characters. And then it's just like okay, I'm running around and I'm putting yeah. out fires or what am I doing? Yeah, or, or hiding dumping bombs down exhaust shoots or whatever is how you you're never really quite sure what's going on (laughs) or why you're doing anything you're the only reason you're doing stuff is because you're being told to (laughs) Uh, and you're supposed to be the commander yes (laughs) why is everyone telling me stuff yeah if you keep volunteering it's like oh sorry o'brien's busy i'll go do this horrible job it's so great it's almost like you're the coffee runner in this game (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah everyone's like okay Go here, get me some coffee. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Aaron. Um, if you've not played it, uh, Harbinger is a very good DS9 game. Uh, that's a PC game that came out a couple years later. There are uh, like three or four DS9 games, aren't there? There's only well, like I said earlier, there's four DS9 games. Harbinger is definitely the best of the four because Harbinger is an adventure game. Okay. Um, it's a it, uh, it's a first person game. Um, there's full voice acting like all the staff. Um, uh, you play an ambassador, uh, uh, who, who's on DS9 for a mission or whatever. And, and there's, and, um, the, pl- the plot, the games, the, pl- you know, the, uh, you, uh, the, the overall plot of the game is very good. Uh, there's some action sequences as well as also being like adventure game. It's primarily an adventure game. Uh, like I said, like I said, first person, not like, like not point and click, but you can walk on the station and talk to people and like whatnot. Um, there's, uh, yeah, or like mist, like that type of game. No, it's... Or are you saying like? Uh, well, I just mean as far as like the first person exploration. Well, the the art style, the art style is much more uh, cartoony than uh, than mist is. Uh, it's it, mist with with people in it. Yes. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> with other people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, uh, 
most of the game is very good. There's only one BS part at the very end where it's like a very complicated maze sequence that's not fun at all to go through. But uh, most of the game itself is like quite good. But uh, that's definitely the premier DS9 game to play. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. And it also came in a very cool-looking box. Yes, it it's did. Like a, a Bajoran-looking yeah. box. It's like yeah, triangular. I'm looking at it right now. That is, it looks like the Bajoran Temple or something like yes, that. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this game itself is. Uh, uh, this game itself. Um, I wish I knew about this back back as a kid. There is there is actually stage there is there is actually a stage select and unlimited life uh, code code available in this game. Um, to access that in the password screen, it's like when I enter the password cheese. Um, like, and then like, uh, that's an incorrect password. Like to show you the password error screen at that point, at that that point, but that, at that point, they want to hit R, R, A, B, uh, A, B, L, uh, L and start. Uh, that'll give you sound effect. Uh, the screen will fade out. The game will turn tile screen now under options and you have extra settings for stage select, like an the invincibility toggle. So I wish I'd known that back in, feel back when the game came out, that would have, should I really been a godsend? Um, this game also is pretty cheap to get on eBay. 29 copies uh, currently listed. Uh, 10 copies like recently. Uh, card only can range anywhere from eight to uh, 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 eight to twelve bucks. Uh, complete in box. There was one copy sold for twenty-six dollars uh, uh, fifty cents. And there were actually and there was actually two sealed copies of the game on there, uh, which sold for thirty-seven dollars and forty-five dollars. So um, again, pretty cheap pricing. If you don't want to get it, so um, um, so yeah, again, a lot of similarities to the TNG game in this game. Flames one I thought. Do either of you have any final thoughts? Step before like move on here. I think we're good. I'm good. No, I think we're good. Yeah. So let's so so let's end this game on a high note. Um, I I picked this game last last because I think um, tip my hand a little bit here. This is the best game of the three. Um, Star Trek Starfleet Academy Bridge Simulator. Uh, was developed and published by Interplay because Interplay was doing console games. Uh, few, few of us, but uh, you know, by this, uh, by this time period, slightly weren't doing uh, uh, publishing publishing console games earlier. Um, came out in December of '94 in the U.S. March, actually March '95 in Europe. Uh, 32x ports of the game came out. I uh, came out in '95, and the PC version of the game came out in August '97. But again, do not confuse the PC version of this game like this game, because there are some similarities. But again, but again, those two games are totally different. Um, we'll talk about here. I talk about hit here in a little bit. Uh, this is primarily, as the name implies, um, a simulator where you get to command uh, different different classes of ships uh, and basically missions, which may involve combat or may not involve combat. Um, there's essentially no plot in this game. You, you're just basically told, okay, you're a student. Here's 20 missions. Uh, you go through the four years of the, uh, years of the academy. Go have fun. Um, and and you're graded. You have to get a passing grade like each mission. And by the end of the game, you're given a final rank. Um, and you see the ending. That's pretty much pretty much all there is to it. Uh, the gameplay really boils down to what happens in the missions, which um, there is a there is a little bit of a um, a little bit of I, I I call it very slight RPG aspects of the game, where in between missions you get to do things like I uh, go talk to your, uh, to 
uh, like go to the bar and talk to your crew members and like, you know, like get some uh, conversation dialogue with them or like, you know, like go to the, go to simulator and practice, uh, practice a bit if you want to. Kind of remind me of Wing Commander that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got the Wing Commander vibe from that. And also a little bit of, um, I think it was the first Mech Warrior that it kind of reminded me of. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So... Um, like I said before, there's, uh, there's 20 missions, like, 20 missions like the regular game, plus also like, plus, 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 plus also a bonus mission like the end of the game. Uh, five missions, five missions like for each level. Um, so like five missions when you're a freshman, sophomore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you start off commanding in the simulator a, um, an Oberth class ship, which is primarily a science ship, not very good for combat or whatnot. Like the uh, Grissom from Star Trek 3. Yes, yep. That gets blown yep. up. Uh, also made an appearance or, in, uh, yep. Uh, also made an appearance in the great TNG episode uh, Naked Now, which was oh yeah 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 the first season. So yeah, um, say well, well that was that episode was kind of a throwback sequel to, the, to Naked yeah, Time, right? Yeah. So in the second, uh, in your second year of the academy, you graduate up to commanding a Miranda class uh, a ship, most famous from Star Trek II, rather call Yep, yep. So, uh, and then finally, and finally, and then finally, like in years three and four, you get to fight the big boy, the Constitution class. Um, so, uh, there, um, there are other, there are other ships available. There are other ships available to you, uh, in training. You have, you, you have two game modes in this game. You can either play story mode, uh, or you need to play like a freestyle mode, which would, what? Uh, freestyle, where you get to <laughs> kicking it. Freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I call it freestyle. I, basically, because you get to pick any kind of ship you want to uh, um, you play as. You can command a, a Federation, a Klingon, um, uh, a Romulan, and a Gorn ship, and you can just do various uh, ver- various battles against other simulated ships. But what's really cool is that there's also there's, a, there's also there's also scenarios in, in this taken uh, taken uh, taken the straight from the movies. Uh, there's one scenario where you get to fly in the Mentara Nebula. Uh, the, uh, you know that battle which finished like Star Trek II. And, and there's another no scenario in which you get to. And there's no scenario which which recreates about uh, the Battle of Kittimer from Star Trek VI. So uh, very cool that they have the um, you know they have those like scenarios uh, uh, scenarios available to you like this game. So um, Aaron, why don't you start off off. To start off with this one, because your experience was with, your experience was with, was with the slightly better 32x version of the game in the past. So, like, what do you think about this game? Did you have experience with this as a kid, or is this more like a well, newer you know game okay. for you? It, it's it's weird because I had the 32x at launch. I had the Super Nintendo uh, throughout its lifespan, uh, but this was one I think we rented once. Um, but I think we rented the Super Nintendo version, and I I really don't. I remember. The thinking that the 3D graphics were pretty good. Um, and then I went back. Uh, I, I don't remember much about it other than that. Uh, I went back and played the 32X version um, much later uh, when reviewing it for Retro Obscura because uh, we talked about this game. Yep. And, yeah, there there really isn't too much difference between this and the SNES version. Just maybe the, the, the polygons are a little sharper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think out of the three Star Trek games we've been talking about, it, it is the best put together and the most straightforward. It, it um, to me, it I don't. It, it's hard to say if I feel like it has the complete game package feel to it. Um, wh- you know, like the other one, the other ones where it's like, okay, well, you're the commander, you're Commander Cisco, or 
you're supposedly Captain Kirk. Like in this one, it's like, aren't you kind of like a no-name <laughs> cadet? You're just random cadet seven. Uh. Yeah, but it's a, it's it's one of those experiences where it's like you are there. They're trying to put you in the shoes of someone actually going through school, uh, which which I think is cool. Uh, and, and I'm assuming you're going to school for a sp- very specific purpose, which is to become a captain, um, yes. because it's not like they're putting you through medical training <laughs> or, you know, putting you through uh, ha- having to change out fuse cores and engineering or, <laughs> you know, it's it's a very specific thing they want you to do in this game. And it's it's that's uh, for, for that. It, it's fun. It's straightforward. Uh, you know, the. the the missions are a lot more straightforward, I would say, mm-hmm. than what you found in Next Generation. Um, and, and you don't have to do any ground missions. Um, so it, it, it's not the most fast-paced game, but um, it, it's dependable, I would say. It's dependable, mm-hmm. and you kind of know what you're going to get when you're <laughs> playing it. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good summary of things. Uh, Joe, like, what do you think? Because this is your first time playing the game, so like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, this was definitely my favorite one, and I think this is one I'll actually keep on playing, like, because I, I didn't get all the way through, so I, I probably will want to just because I, I had a good, I was having a lot of fun playing through this, and actually, you know, I'm just glancing over at the Wikipedia page now, and and it seems like I, I it probably jogs a bit of memory because it does seem like this game was made on a modified version of the 25th anniversary engine. So, you know, the, the combat does kind of remind me of that a little bit. Very well could have been because Interplay did make this game. So, mm-hmm. and I was, uh, I was, I was definitely pleasantly surprised by, by the graphics. I like the fact that there was, you know, that it was 3d, you know, there were polygons. It kind of gave you a bit of a star Fox feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do do we know? Does it use uh, any of the Super FX stuff? Or no, it doesn't. I, it doesn't. At but all. these were very good looking models. Out of the time period, I thought. I mean, like you know, I remember being impressed as a kid when this game came out by like, how good the graphics were. Yeah, um, it was great, and all the ships move very fluidly, and and like you know, this, this was this was a great time for me. And these are these are the kinds of games that I really enjoy. I'm a big sim guy, and you know, granted, this one's simpler than you know sims that you would get on on the computer right but uh you know i think it it took advantage of of the medium it took advantage of the controller everything felt you know pretty natural the menus were sometimes a little clunky to get through like to get to where you wanted to Mm -hmm. which is a console problem yeah you don't have a mouse exactly yeah so it's like you know you're going to go through these pop-up menus and you're going to have pictures of things that you're going to have to kind of scroll through slowly. Yeah, Once but you generally, get to the meat of the game, it's not so bad. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, you know, I liked the little interstitial Wing Commander-esque, you know, talking to people in the bar. And, you there's know, some, pe- yeah. Yeah, sorry. There's some, there's some like, awesome dialogue also between those, like, conversations. I, I mean, like, you, like there's some, I mean, there are several, there, there are several conversations that literally just mean, like, you know, laugh out loud because, like, it's mm-hmm. that's funny. But, you know, the writing, you know, the writing, the writing of this game is definitely top notch. Yeah. And, like, uh, your crew people have personalities yeah. and it, it's, it's very interesting. 
And I also really like the the variety of the missions. Like it wasn't just go out and shoot everything. Like yeah. so you you go to different and there's like navigation. You know, you you're going to different sectors. You're warping places. You're controlling your speed. You're tractoring things. You're scanning things. You're asking your science officer for advice. And you know what should I do next? And you can review your orders. Like I just there's it. Yes, it's simple, but it's simple in a complete kind of way like it has everything you need for your experience you don't feel like you're lacking you don't feel like you're confused a lot of the time so i don't know yeah it was it was a lot of fun yep that's a great way to describe it that's a very straightforward game i mean like you know like you know the box tells you the box tells you exactly what you're getting into the manual the manual spells everything out like very clearly there's there's no surprises there's no there's no hidden stuff it's just like just like this is you know, this is what we're offering you. If you like it, great. If not, you know, like we don't care. So it's like, you know, it's a very, um, you know, you know, just a very like cutting forward game. Um, did either of you happen to recognize the music that was used in this game? Ken Allen. Yes. Um, it's actually it's taken, it's taken directly. Well, this is kind of caught. Yeah, yeah. The the developer said that he was inspired by the music from Star Trek Two, uh, mm-hmm. the Wrath of Khan. But you asked me, this game. Uh, the music, the, the music, the music, the music sounds directly lifted straight from that. There's no. Yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty sure it was yeah, like you know, officially yeah. licensed Star Trek Two music. It's not like when I read, but it's hmm. but it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like <laughs> that. That movie had a great soundtrack, so that's okay. I mean, like, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely memorable. But yeah, so yeah, but yeah, sound effects sound very good. Um, you know, like um, um. I like the part like about the commander giving you like the lecture, you know, lecture parts before you go into the missions. Like you know, like to because oftentimes the lecture, oftentimes the lecture will contain a hint as to what's going mm-hmm. on like in the next mission. So you're like, like well advised, pay attention to that. So uh, I was mad. I got mad at the game because I I set my I set the ship to red alert before I went somewhere and they took off five percent from my grade because they said you're not supposed to go to red alert around a starbase unless you have a good reason. Well, that is technically true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know the shows don't really do a good job of forcing that policy, but it, but you know, but you know, I believe I believe I have heard that in various places that Starfleet had kind of, kind of, she kind of frowns upon you doing that. <laughs> Space talk. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, uh, the Gorn making an appearance like one mission, the Tholians making an appearance like one mission. Um, uh, there's also like a, there's also a race which they invented, which is called the. Um, oh, Joe, help me out. What was the name of that race? Uh, no, what what was the name of the race from (laughs) that race from that race? That, uh, that evil race, 25th anniversary and judgment rights. Oh God. Yeah. uh, I know. I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember their name. Yeah. Yeah. The V something, the, the Bellions, the Bullions, something like that. But, uh, they're in this game too, but they're different. Um, but, uh, um, so, uh, yeah. So a lot of great, a lot lot of great throwbacks. She was throwback that she was throwback that original show. Um, like, like I said, the missions the missions are very good. I thought for the most part they're they're very they're not always combat. Uh, there are some uh, they do get heavy in combat later on toward the end. Um, I'm not sure how um, I'm not sure how far you guys got in this game. I I I I know you said that you didn't have time to finish this. Aaron, no, I didn't get to the end, but. Uh, Aaron, did you finish this back in the 32X version? 
No, I didn't okay. finish the 32x version. Yeah, I, I, I probably played about an hour or two of it. The last, the last five missions that you're senior, uh, they're all like, they're all like war simulation missions, uh, because they're, uh, because the, uh, uh, because, uh, you know, because of the commander, commander tells you, even though, the, even though Starfleet's a peaceful organization, there are, uh, they're making, they're making the time when we have, what's it, the, the, the great phase, the, face a major war and we need you guys to be you know, prepared for it so the last mm. so the last five missions are like war, war simulations against the Klingons and the Gorn and the, and the Romulans so uh, they get very combat heavy most of the missions before that though are kind of well evenly balanced and finally and finally and finally as a very nice bonus the very last mission the last, very last mission of the game when you're ready to graduate guess what you have to do you get to do the you know, but you get to do the infamous like Kobayashi Maru mission. <laughs> yep, and I, I I knew that was going to come up. I was like, so. okay, you're you're playing a simulation game in the Star Trek universe. You're going to have to do the Kobayashi Maru. And the dialogue's uh, taken mission. exactly from Star Trek Two, word from word. Nice, it's awesome. It's like right for that movie. <laughs> that uh, is great. And you have an option, but but. Um, and you have the option of this of either like either like going to their aid and getting to that uh, that battle, which you try to, which you can fight for a while before you get destroyed. They're going to basically say, um, "I'm sorry, we can't cross neutral zone. Like you guys are on your own." And either way, the command is perfectly okay, um, you know, with your performance on it because, like I said, this is just a judgment mission. As so no win, the no win scenario. Yeah. Right? So how do you handle it? There's also a very cool, however, as cool as that, there's an even cooler Easter egg in this game. Uh, there are two codes in this game. Uh, one code, like one code, uh, like one code gives you extra uh, um, extra ships, uh, the, the, your, your extra ship to pick from. But you get to fly the Excelsior, the Excelsior ship, uh, in simulations and whatnot, and some other, and some Klingon ships are thrown in and whatever. To access that, but you want to hit um, hold down LR and select, and then push A Y B Y anytime anytime on the ship selection menu. However. Uh, if you start the game, if you start the game and you're on the uh, new cadet registration screen, push X Y X Y, then hold down L R, select and push A B A B, and it brings up a whole bunch of historical Star Trek names. Uh, how would you pick from? Like you know, like uh, you, uh, Kirk, Picard, Data, uh, Spock, McCoy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you play the whole game as Kirk, when you get to the Kobayashi Maru game, like the end. You actually have the option to be able to reprogram the simulator, just like, <laughs> just like Kirk does, uh, you, you know, like in the movie. And For a you, right. So, uh, so the mission plays out that way. When you fling you warp into the neutral zone and get for the, the Klingons, you hail the Klingons and, and you tell them what you're doing here, and the Klingons are overjoyed to help you because you're such an honorable warrior. So they, uh, like, they assist you and they go back to, the, uh, so you warp back to the area with like the Kobayashi Maru they help you out. You're in the mission, and the commander's like. What just happened? You cheated. So, and again, the dialogue's all taken. And, and, and again, the dialogue, the dialogue changes. changes all the like the movies, and and you're given accommodation for original thinking. So it's pretty cool. I think that's a nice, nice bit of, of fan service there. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and it actually enriches the game a bit. Um, I think even more so than in the other games where it's like, oh, great, I get to see my favorite characters. In, in here, it's like, these are only things a true Star Trek fan would notice. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but it's it's definitely much appreciated, even more so than just, oh, look, here's someone, you know, 
Here's well, a cardboard how, cutout of uh, Captain Picard. Well, it helps that – yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean this game is definitely the most like fan service loving. Uh, and, what, and, and the big reason for that is because of who made it. Interplay made the game. I mean I mean, some of the people who worked on the 20th, 20th anniversary games worked on this one. They know, they know the franchise. They love it. They have respect for it. They really put a lot of uh, work uh, – of hard work and sweat into it to make it – to you know, to make it as realistic as possible, and yes, it does make the game a little bit slow, a little bit plodding. It's, it's not going to be for everybody. That's true. But but if you enjoy Star Trek at all, you know, heck, but if you enjoy like flight sims or simulation games at all, this is this one's well worth checking out because I think this one holds up very well today, even still. It's it's you know, uh, I'm sure a very fun game to play. The the, the 3DS version of the game is pretty good, also. Uh, that version of the game like really really well offers like slightly updated graphics and music and whatnot, but still. You know, I think this game is still. I, th- I think this game is still very, like, very, like, like, like very fun to play today. Um, you know, Aaron, you mentioned that like, a little bit too, but um, um, so, uh, uh, so Joe, like, would you agree with that? Like, do you think this game like, holds up? To, holds up today? Oh no, it absolutely holds up. Like I said, I had a lot of fun, and I'm, maybe after we hang up, I'm going to play it a little bit more. <laughs> but um, I think the only one technical issue I had with it, now that I think about it, and I don't know if this has to do with my emulation setup or whatever, is I couldn't seem to go diagonal. So if I I had to like go go up and left and up. Uh, and left. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't think you can go diagonal in, in, like in this one. It mm. may just be. A, uh, but it may just be that they recognize, 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 recognize you're playing the game like through, I, uh, that you're playing the game in a pad. They want to restrict your movements that way. Yeah. So, anyways, that that was the only little issue I had. But it's just you know I got I got over it and I figured it out kind of a thing. But I, it would be nice if you could you know you're you're flying a starship. You should yeah. be able to fly diag you know turn diag turn up and to the left as opposed. Yeah, to just- I know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hardware limitations and all that probably, but yeah, exactly. And, and I do want to pull attention to, to the music as well, like whether or not it was pulled from Star Trek two or it wasn't, I find, found the music was really good, really fitting and composed yeah. by Ken Allen, who is one of my, my favorite, uh, game yeah. producer, music game composers Boy, from, cr- uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We borrowed, we borrowed music, like some of the best, I think Star Trek, do Star Trek movie music. To music there was so mm-hmm. i mean like you can't mess up a great stuff that uh, too much <laughs> well you can because they did in the other games but yeah i suppose so but <laughs> whatever but uh, i mean really good arrangements of it and you know given the sound hardware and uh, you know ken allen did stuff on uh, he worked for sierra for a very long yeah, time so that's yeah, where like, he started his career yeah. king's uh, quest and yeah space quest space 4 yeah. space quest 1 vga king's quest 1 vga uh <laughs> Jones in the fast lane. So it's like he's got a huge, huge, huge uh crazy, crazy connection here. King's Quest five, he did the music for that game. Nova Trade, who made the DS nine game, they actually did a port of King's Quest five onto the NES. Oh wow. So kind of a weird connection. Which is a very good port, by the way. I, yeah. I, um you know, Konami published do you come yeah, Konami published that right. one. And that, I actually played King's Quest Five first, like first, like on the NES, mm-hmm. and then came to the PC version later on. And yeah, yeah, it's a very good port. But um, yeah, um, uh, yeah, definitely. I think that the ships handle the ships handle the, the ships handle like I imagine them handling Star Trek too, because like you know the orbit ship is like very light and fast. Constitution class ship is a bit sluggish. Um, the ships feel right to me in this game too. They um, feel like they have weight. Yes, know? right. So. Um, combat's a bit simplistic. I mean, the combat, space combat, was done a little bit better in later on games, I thought. But again, this is, a, but again, this is a game that's 20 years old. So, mm-hmm. 
um, so you can like you know cut some slack for it. Um, yeah, it's like kind of you know the, the phasers and photons kind of shoot straight ahead, and they don't really there's there isn't really much reason to use phasers versus photon torpedoes as far as I could tell. It was just an extra thing to shoot, and you know they well phasers well phasers are good at bringing down the shields. Right, uh, your photons do, do your photons do do more damage. Like they hit a ship. Uh, Play an area of the ship like which shields have collapsed. Mm-hmm. So this like there's some strategy to that. But um, um, have either of you guys played the PC version of Star Trek? Uh, uh, Star Trek, Pure Star Trek Academy. No, now I want to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is it um, is it the, it's better similar. interface and everything, it, or is, it, is that Bridge Commander? Is that a different game? Different game. A Star uh, the PC game, Star Trek Star Trek Academy, came out in August 97, a couple years after this game. Um, also made by Interplay. There are there are, uh, there are a lot of similarities. For example, like all the character names are taken uh, – the character names like all carry over like in that game. The personalities all carry over uh, – like all carry over like that game. Uh, the overall the overall, the overall overall gameplay structure is the same. We're still like a cadet going through different missions. Um, uh, like you move up the – so we move up the ranks – like the academy, the big difference is that this is a full. The, the, the big difference, the big difference, it's just like the PC game is a full motion video game. So there's actually like a big overall arch. Uh, uh, so there's a big overall arching plot to that game, which which your choices in the game will determine how what happens what happens to that overall plot. Um, and they also got William Shatner and a um, uh, and George Takai um, and a uh, and a um, uh, check up. I'm drawing a blank on his name, like right now for some reason. Uh, like Walter. Walter Koenig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so like, so all three of those guys like are in the game also. Uh, in full motion video, like I said. Um, graphics, of course, better because it's a uh, later, 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 more advanced PC game. Uh, with full voice acting and whatnot. Yeah, it's a very good game. They just spent the. the it's not the same game as Super NES version, but they. But they were inspired by the Super NES version. I'd say they took a lot from the Super NES version and just simply enhanced and tweaked it some to make the PC game. So it's definitely a lot of fun. And that game's also available on, and that game's also available uh, available right now on GOG and it, on uh, uh, purchase on GOG and Steam. So so what I'm taking away from this conversation is that there are a, uh, there are a lot of Star Trek games out there. There are tons, yes. Sift through <laughs> of varying oh, yeah. quality. Um, it's not like some games where it's like you know, you you kind of know what to expect with Star Trek. It just seems to be like all over the place. There was also oh, I, I can also highly recommend the uh, there was a pseudo sequel to Star Trek, a pseudo sequel to Star Trek Academy, which is called Klingon Academy, uh, which plays which plays which plays pretty much the same way. And they brought in some of the same people who had characters in Star Trek Six, uh, like that game also. Um, so like you know like um, uh, oh what's his name uh. Uh, no, um, uh, oh, oh, Christopher Plummer. Uh, he's in that oh, game. Okay. Yeah. Oh, General Chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah you have changed the game big time. Um, um, on, um, you know, and some of the other characters too. So, Klingon Academy yeah. is also like a lot of fun. Oh, sorry, Joe? Oh, no, 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 that was me. Okay. I, yeah. I said Kalis. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, very interesting because, like, you know, that game, that, that game's, that game is one of the only games we actually get to play the Klingon side of things. So, um, so, if, uh, so uh, like that point alone, that game's like you, you, you're very unique, worth checking out. But um, yeah, I definitely had the most fun playing. 
I definitely had the most fun. Uh, I had, 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 had the most fun back then playing, like playing, like playing, you know, playing, uh, play, uh, play, uh, playing Super NES or. Uh, uh, I started the academy. Uh, the scenarios, like I said, are, are very worth checking out because they are checking out because they took scenarios, that, uh, uh, because they brought scenarios, like borrowed scenarios and situations that like straight from the show and the movie. Um, there's also Bounds of Terror. That's also that's also here as the mission. Um, and, um, uh, and some other ones too. So those are also uh, very highly, very highly, very highly recommended to uh, checking out also to enhance your gameplay experience. Cool. So, any final thoughts like about this game, like you guys? Anything? If you're gonna play one of them, play this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it uh, doesn't matter which version you pick because I think they're both pretty similar. Yes, they are. So, um, so overall, I thought this was a very interesting episode to do because I thought that it was kind of interesting to see how Star Trek games on the consoles. Uh, evolved, like from then versus now, and how different they were compared to their PC counterparts. Um, all three of these games felt like all, all, three, all three of these games felt like they could have been done on the PC. It's like the developers kind of the developers kind of struggled with struggled with how to be able to struggle with how to be able to make a good a good translation of a PC style Star Trek game like onto a console with limited memory and limited hardware and whatnot. And I think the only reason Star Trek Star Trek Academy succeeds is because I thought that there were some of the same people uh, there there was more experienced programmer staff working on it. Who set their goals much lower? I thought for that game because that game is much more simplistic than the other two games and what they try to achieve. Both TNG and DS9, I thought, had lofty visions, but they really failed to execute. Yeah, yeah I think no, I can I, agree with that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast with me. This was certainly great uh, geeking out talking about these Star Trek games with you guys. So, um. You know, I'm sorry some of these games didn't, didn't really hold up all that well. <laughs> no, they can't all be winners. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. It's it's true. I mean, it, it's the same way with the Star Wars games. True. Um, oh yeah. There's a ton of Star Wars games in the main and expanded universe um, of varying quality. So it, it's the same deal. Though with Star Wars, it's a little easier, I would say, to make games in that universe because it's a lot more. Um, swashbuckling, right? Yeah, it's more action, adventure, yeah. space opera as opposed to space simulation. And I think like that a, reason a Star Wars platformer makes a lot of sense, right? right? It does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because there's a lot of jump, you know, run and run and gun and jumping. Well, that's what the like shooting. three Star Wars Super NES games are basically just platformers. But, yeah, but yeah. but they it, they make so much sense because yeah. that's you know that's what Star Star Wars is all about. Yeah. So, yeah, and for that reason also, I, I, I can't say that reason also, I think there have been a lot better Star Wars console games than there have been Star Trek console games because mm. there's only really a few. I, I, um, I would say the only good Star Trek console that, that uh, to me, the only, the only, the only good Star Trek console games were were Bridge Simulator, were 20th anniversary like the NES, which is a great game, um, and uh, and there was also and, and uh, I actually had a lot of fun with a um, uh, with one of the later. Um, oh, I can't think of the name of it like right now. There was also like a later PlayStation PlayStation Star Trek game that was pretty good too. I think uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, so. Wait, so do you remember? I still see this at the movie theater. I don't know why. Various movie theaters still have this game. Oh, Star they Trek Voyager? The Star, Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, that's a good arcade game. game. That became very popular for yeah. some reason. I have no <laughs> idea why. I like that game. That's a good game. Yeah, so it's just like, it, it, it's so weird we're talking about 
things that might not translate so well. They managed to make a light gun game out of Star Trek. So, well, Voyager's only had Voyager, unfortunately, has only had two real like real games. There was that one and that one. She lost like Elite Force, which is very good. That's a very good. Yeah, it's a very good game. Yeah, so. But so um, but uh, I'm sure we would have seen one on the Super NES if that show had started earlier. But uh, that showed, but by the time that showed, uh, I mean, but the uh, all these all these Star Trek Super NES games date from ninety four ninety five. By the time Voyager started, uh, the, the Super NES was, the Super NES was starting to decline in popularity. So, but um, so uh, yeah, uh, I really thank you again. Like I said, like for you guys coming on, this is you know, this has been a lot of fun. Um, Aaron, do you have any like final thoughts like about like Star Trek in general, or to to to, to about these games like whatnot, or or, or anything like that? No, I'm just uh, happy to have been able to boldly go where <laughs> no man has gone before with you guys. So it's been great. So where can one check out your podcast at? Um, you know what? I'm I'm on Facebook, of course. Uh, we've got uh, groups for Genesis Gems and uh, Retro Obscura. We've also got uh, websites, Genesis Gems, uh, podcast.com, and of course, retroobscurapodcast.com, part of the Retro Junkies Network. Uh, you can find all of the podcasts on that network, along with SNES Podcast um, there. And, uh, you can always find me on Twitter, uh, Dia Gamblick. Um, if, you, if you can't find me there, that's that's. I don't know. If you can't spell that, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but that's also my um, my music name. I make uh, video game inspired music. Right. Uh, so there you right. go. Right. Okay. Uh, so Jill, like, do you have any like final thoughts like about these games in general or just anything? Just to wrap uh, up. No, I mean, hey, Star Trek's great, and uh, hopefully there's there's supposedly a new show coming that's apparently yep. filming right here in Toronto or right near where my <laughs> wife works. Can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Toronto's getting like pretty popular to film it these days. So you know, maybe we'll be getting some. Maybe we'll get some new games soon too. And yep. hopefully, it's not locked content where it's like, oh, well, you have to subscribe to this streaming CBS <laughs> service that no one's going to subscribe to uh, to get this game. Yeah. Oh, uh, ridiculous. So, Joe, like, where? Uh, so, where can? So, where can one like get? Uh, find you find like, your podcast at. Well, you can find uh, the Upper Memory Block podcast about Dawson Free Windows XP Gaming at umbcast.com, and uh, it's on Twitter at uh, umbshow. And uh, same thing as a Facebook group and, and all that. You can search for it and find it. Uh, Star Wars Stacks, if you want to talk about Star Wars books, is at swstacks.com and is on Twitter at swstacksshow, I believe, if I'm not completely wrong about that. And same thing on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter personally at BillyBob476. If you want to hear me talking about nothing important. <laughs> uh, okay, well, awesome. Uh, thank you again very much uh, for you, for you guys are coming on. Uh, next episode, we're gonna have our um, our regular our regular co-host George back. George, George has been busy. Uh, uh, doing some real life stuff, but he'll be back on the episode uh, next time around. Um, you can find out. The, um, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., you can find me on Facebook, or you can also send me an email directly to the SNES podcast at yahoo.com. We're also available like on iTunes, um, and we're going to be on Stitcher again soon. I'm having some problems trying to get that back on there, but uh, working on it. Um, and yeah, um, and uh, and uh, thanks again for both of you guys for coming on the podcast with us, and uh, take care, all. All right, too. Bye bye.